thing taping? <laughs> Alrighty. Um, day off, bored, almost 3 a.m., and um, I just decided that uh, I've watched a whole shitload of movies, so why not, uh, while I can still remember some of them, I'm going to talk a lot. <laughs> And see if I can remember what they were even about. Some of them I can, probably better than some others, because I uh, we had a big uh, major uh, nor'easter or whatever you want to call it uh, snowstorm, and I got snowed in, and I just binged watched movies. That's what I did. I'm drinking some coffee. It's all right. It's a kind of a, an amalgamation of uh, old coffee, and uh, I just kept warming it up and putting stuff in it so that it wouldn't taste so gross. But anyway, let's see what's going on here. What's this? Apparently... Somebody is trying to uh, attack our our page, our Sylvan Gold page, maybe. What's this say? Yeah. Security-related activity. Oh, this is just crap. It was blocked. That's cool. I like to see blocked. Um, from like countries that have no business trying to get on to access our page. That's nice. Hmm. Anyway, I don't even know what that has to do with the price of eggs in China, but I know that China was blocked trying to egg us or something. What's this stuff? <laughs> I'm looking at the silver and gold email. And, um, yeah, don't go into, like, the spam folders and stuff. Let's see what it says here. Da -da -da. I just want to make sure it doesn't say, hey, motherfuckers, uh, you're, we're canceling your show. Sorry, but it's just not worth going on. <laughs> La! <laughs> Oh, I like spam. What's the spam set? I want to see if I became like some kind of a... No, not even a, a fucking uh, Somalian banker. Or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I watched movies. Uh, Snowstorm. It was uh, it was pretty bad. Uh, driving home after that snow. Um, driving like... Uh, six miles an hour and still sliding all over the fucking road. That was what you call white knuckling it in this part of the woods, this neck of the woods. Uh, uh, you dig? Um, let's see, what's going on here? Maybe something's going on online. Some people. I proposed some questions to people and um, you never know. I'm trying to start some shit by uh, asking about Christian Bale on the Gentleman's Guide, and if he was, uh, if people liked him as Batman. I liked him as Batman. I liked him better than uh, Ben Affleck. Um, 
I like him as an all-around, I mean, not all-around, he's infinitely better actor than Ben Affleck in my I-M-O. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I liked the Nolan Batman movies. Um, I did not like the one with Bane as much simply because Bane talked like this through the whole movie and because Tom Hardy decided to make a Bane speak as though he was talking into a plastic cup. Uh, I did like Anne Hathaway, as you all know. I like Anne Hathaway. I think she's very good looking. Uh, And her as Catwoman always uh, tickles my catnip <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think uh, Christian Bill's kind of funny uh, sometimes when he uh, chirps a little a little dig at somebody or something like when he just calls Raz Ghoul, he just calls him Ra well what do you think about that Raz you know I, I don't know what it is he's just funny to me I like his teeth um, I was watching American Psycho uh, the other night and um uh, yeah, there's something, I've mentioned it on the show before, there's something about his teeth that intrigues me. I can't figure out what they are. Um, like, kind of like a shark, but he doesn't have fangs. But, uh, I, I, I don't know, whatever, American Psycho, that was a good movie. Uh, kind of crazy, <laughs> put him on the map. For me, I don't know, if did I see Christian Bale in anything else besides that? I didn't see, um, was it Empire of the Sun? I don't think I saw that. So that didn't, that didn't, uh, plot him on my map. Christian, Chris, Christ, Yen. (laughs) Oh, Lord, Lordy. He was a little kid actor that actually grew up to become something. Some of these little kid actors, you can tell... They pick the kid, you know, who's cute and diminutive that can actually, like, uh, uh, listen to direction and stuff like that. But then they end up with a, 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 an adult sometimes that still has, like, a kid face. And, like, the guy, if it's a boy, they don't grow over, like, five foot two. And like uh, Jason Hervey or something like that. It just gets weird. And sometimes the girl uh, actresses, same thing. It's almost like they're gymnasts. Their their growth is stunted. And then they just look like... um, They look like... um, Oh, what was that movie with the little... uh, With Oliver Reed? The Brood? Those little kids in the down uh, parkas. That boys and the girls grow up looking like that. That's what I think. Uh, I saw him in Shaft. Okay, American Psycho was before that, though. Eh, same year, but I think I saw... No, actually, you know what? I think I saw Shaft first. And uh, it just wasn't that great of a movie. Because, you know, I like the Richard Roundtree Shafts. And then Samuel L. Jackson basically comes in and just plays Samuel L. Jackson. Um... 
but I remember he was the the heel in that, and he was a, a fucking dickhead. Uh, which he was a good dickhead, and Velvet Goldmine was before that, but I didn't see that until we started doing this monstrosity. Uh, Newsies did not see that. Bail. I saw Henry V, but he was just the he was the luggage boy, so I don't um, I don't remember too much about him in that. I remember uh, what's his face. What's that guy's name? Eric Banna. 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 Eric Banow. Ban Eric no, not Eric what the fuck am I talking about? Kenneth Branow Eric Banna. I'll have to post that. Uh who do you like better? <laughs> Eric Banna or Kenneth Branow? And then just reverse their roles like Kenneth Branow as uh Chopper Reed and Eric Banna as Henry V. That would be kind of funny. I don't know. Eric Banna, he was good in Hannah, which I'll be talking about in a little bit once I drink my coffee. Get the ball rolling, get the juices flowing, daddy. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that's going on. Oh, my God. Snow. And then the snow. We're, we're, we're doing the uh, climate change, the erratic climate change where I think next week it is supposed to be like 70 degrees in February, and then by nighttime it's going to be like 13. And this up-and-down um, um, temperature, up-and-down drop like that just plays havoc with everybody, including myself, with my sinuses and all that crap. I was, um, when my, uh, you know, Loaf and I both have been experiencing the the uh, uh, back pain uh, deal um, and I missed like a bunch of work um, it was six days total work but with my days off I think I was down for the count for about like 11 days I mean not down for the count because right at first I couldn't even get up off the fucking floor when it went out and then I was stuck and had to just kind of uh, cuss myself out and give myself a pep talk and cheer myself on trying to move one any like even if I moved a, a a millimeter it would send like jolts of pain through me and I uh, finally got you know got up and but for a few days there and it's still still fucked up like my ribs are fucked up in my back um, so I'm pretty sure that I'm dying and they they x-rayed the shit out of me which then that makes me think I'm gonna die even more from like fucking cancer from the goddamn x-rays so I'm becoming probably a um, a lunatic <laughs> where was some of this delicious cold tea I'm mixing it up mm, nom nom had to fast for blood work um, not last night but the night before and like a moron I decided that I was going to come home in the morning because I work midnights, and eat a big, huge meal. Then I was not going to eat anything until I did blood work the next morning. Well, you only have to fast for 12 hours. And this put me at, by the time I went to do my blood work, like 21 or 22 hours without eating. And really... I think psychologically it bothered me more than anything, and I couldn't drink coffee, so then I was sleepy, 
and uh, that made it even worse. And so, because um, when I went over and did the blood work, I didn't even like feel like I was starving. But when I was at work and I knew what time I was going to leave to go do it, I just was like every two seconds looking up at the clock, which is the worst thing you can do no matter what. So anyway, that all went well, I think. I have to go get the results Friday. So it's possible I could be dying. This could be the last show. It could always be the last show every fucking time. Um, But other than that, uh, have I bought anything? I rented some movies, which I'll be speaking about. Um, Cleaned the house. Did some uh, When You're Snowbound. Uh, and drinking like a bunch of coffee, it's it's like a, a person like in the, the Sultan Sea with Val Kilmer when they're doing crank and then they just like reorganize their sock drawer for like 32 hours straight. Um, yeah, stuck in the house, could not go anywhere. And uh, that day I had planned, I was like, okay, I'm going to go see uh, Green Book, the Green Book uh, with Vigo. And of course, since that was my day off, and I want, and I was gonna go, it fucking snowed from 1 a.m. until probably 1 p.m. And um, so I couldn't even leave the house. But I corrected that uh, yesterday, which I, again we'll start talking about here in just a minute, because uh, I don't think I have anything else to talk about. But I did clean up, straighten up, put a bunch of shit that was. Uh, books and DVDs and things like that, comic books and stuff down in the basement. That's what I have a basement for, as long as the stuff's up off the floor, so if any water comes in, it doesn't get destroyed. Hopefully. Uh, Today, since it stopped snowing and it warmed up, it's just been raining and raining and raining. In the city, um, one thing, at least they're kind of on the ball. Uh, When they know it's going to rain like that, you see the trucks out everywhere going around you know, looking in the manholes to make sure that the the pumps in the manholes are working to suck the fucking water, or keep the water from going into your house. I should buy a boat like Peter Fonda. Um, apparently, he bought a uh, big, giant uh, wood ship, or not ship, but I can't remember what he called it. It wasn't a schooner, but it was some kind of naval term, and. Um, I was reading about him getting that boat while he while he was making uh, the hired hand with Warren Oates, and um, which is on YouTube for free. One thing I found out when I got snowed in is there is a whole shitload of old movies that people have posted in their entirety. A lot of old um, noir, uh, like uh, 40s and 50s movies, which I watched the shit out of. Um, and like I just put in Peter Fonda because I wanted to look up some interviews with him and shit there's all kinds of his like drive-in action movies uh, the hired hands on there in in its uh, entirety I'm trying to think what else there was a bunch of like his motorcycle movies Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on there but uh, he was talking about buying that boat and restoring it and everything and then uh, I guess John Wayne um had his boat it wasn't this was it the spruce goose it was something no spruce goose was the uh howard hughes's airplane i think 
but it was something, the something goose. <laughs> it was an old mine sweep, and his boat was parked uh, just a little ways down from Peter Fauna's. Of course, he knew John Wayne since he was a little kid, and he invited him to come over and check out his boat. And here's this is Peter Fonda during his you know major league hippie smoking weed days and and all that. And uh, he was calling John Wayne Mr. Wayne, and John Wayne said, "You know something, Pete? I've known you since you were just a little boy. You know, uh, so from now on, you call me Duke, just like everybody else." And I'll call you Pete. And I guess Henry, or Henry Fonda, Peter Fonda said, Well, actually, uh, I prefer Peter. And he said, Well, mister, then Peter it is. And um, he said, John Wayne confided in him and said, You know, that whole, that whole uh, marijuana thing, because I guess John Wayne had been speaking out against marijuana. He go that you all that whole marijuana thing that you kids do today. I get that. He said he told him that it was just um, he he just like was speaking out against it or doing whatever for his image, you know. So he said that he thought that was kind of cool. But I was like, well, you know, why don't you just fucking be like real? I love on these uh, Facebook groups where John Wayne is involved and it's like older people they'll post like a real American uh, this or that and I'm like you know you do realize he was an actor and that that's just like an image and a persona he didn't ride around on fucking horses in the old west uh, you know he set out on his boat fucking drinking and screwing his wives and pumping out kids when he was like 60 years old and uh you know, he was just a dude, and that was, you know, like, oh, he was a great hero, and I'm like, well, why was he a great hero? You know, he didn't fight in any of the wars or anything, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, they they get caught up in that persona, it's like, um, uh, you know, I'm not like a biblical person, but like, worshipping false prophets or idols or something like that, or, you know, but, eh, whatever. John Wayne was a fag. <laughs> he wore a dress. Um, I should post that fucking clip. Then their heads would explode and I'd get death threats. I have gotten a couple of death threats on Facebook um, from posting on news things and things like that. I, I'm trying to think what the one was where the guy... He seemed like he was like a Middle Eastern character person I think could have been anybody um, but it was on like some I don't know if it was on like a tennis player that I think is hot you know it's one of those um, groups for like uh, Maria Sharapova or something like that and it's not a sport group it's where people post pictures of her playing tennis or modeling because she's got real long legs and the guys like you know just respond with a you know wow or jesus christ or look at that woo you know how uh and some fucking guy sent me a thing and i looked in on his um facebook page and the only thing we had in common was that group and he said something about you know die you piece of shit or i can't remember what it was and i just blocked him i just blocked those kind of people you know i'll be like uh who was the guy that they based uh, talk radio on with uh, Eric Bedrosian? Um, the was it was he in Denver? 
like a DJ, and he would always have those. Um, well, not, not Alan Freed. He had the uh, always had the white supremacist call in, or they would call in all the time because he'd speak out against them. And he was Jewish, and um, he would argue with them. And then you know, because of course he had the the um, quote unquote had the microphone. Of course, he literally had the microphone. But when you're in charge of, and have the power of the mic, you know, you can just cut people off and shit like that. Made him mad, and uh, also uh, uh, not only uh, Eric Bedrosian based the character for his play and for uh, the movie Talk Radio on this guy. But also the movie Betrayed with uh, Deborah Winger and Tom Berenger. Um, you know, when she goes and gets in with the white supremacist people, uh, their one target when they, the, the real uh, fanatical wing of them that wants to start shit, like, you know, Timothy McVeigh or whatever, um, is they're going to assassinate this radio talk show guy. And uh, I can't remember what that guy's name we may have to take a break. <laughs> this coffee's fucking going right through me. But anyway, um, John Wayne, Peter Fonda, you know, uh, death threats. Uh, I had him one time. Uh, I can't remember who that guy was. He was like a Norwegian, I think, uh, serial killer that went and killed a whole bunch of like little kids. And some guy posted that that's what they need to, you know. America needs is somebody who had the ball, has the balls to be like that guy and just go and kill a whole bunch of people. And I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, get a grip. <sighs> but if John Wayne was here, he wouldn't put up with that kind of bullshit. Um, let's talk about some movies. No structure. I hate that because then I feel like I'm letting you you guys down. But I'm bored, and so and I'm getting stomach cramps right now. <laughs> Something in the way she moved Tracks me like no other lover Why am I singing about something in the way she moves Attract me, Attracts me like no other lover When I feel like I have to take a shit I think that might, uh, might be a uh, psychological tell That when I think of my past relationships I think of taking a giant shit and having stomach cramps so bad that I'm about ready to double over. I watched a movie which is on... No, wait a minute. Did I have to... No, 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 no. This is on YouTube for free. One of these movies on YouTube for free. From 1970 called The Only Game in Town. And I had never heard of this. It's uh, directed by George Stevens and uh, written by... La, 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 Frank D. Gillow? Gilroy? Gillow. Where'd the horror go? <laughs> Hang on a second. I'm being distracted by my uh, um, stomach. <laughs> lay, lay, lay. I just took a great big shit. Okay. <laughs> and I was in there, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I I I'm I'm taking a shit and I'm thinking about like having kids and how it affects your life and I don't have kids so and what was the other thing I was just thinking I don't remember but there was something else my books that are in there on the bathroom floor <laughs> I have a I have about 20 books 
stacked up on my bathroom floor so that any time that I feel the need to uh, soak in the bathtub or take a crap, I will have something to read. So it's like, it's just good time management, man. Um, hmm. Okay, The Only Game in Town, 1970. This stars Elizabeth Taylor and Warren Beatty. Ah! Um, no threats found. No threats detected. That's pretty cool. Close, bitch. Um, I had never heard of this before. I'm a fan of Warren Beatty. Uh, this is kind of a MILF movie because Elizabeth Taylor and, and Warren Beatty in Hollywood at one time, uh, when he was young, of course, he was known for being a gigolo and screwing these older uh, actresses like Joan Collins and uh, how old? Let's see. Let me look and see. I want to. I want to check something just for your guys' benefit. Your guys. <laughs> Samara. Uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor. Man, she was a fucking hottie when she was young. Let's see. Okay, she would be. Okay, she died. She was born in 32. So they were, they might have been not that bad. Warren Beta. BT. 32. And he was born in 37. So that's not that much difference, you know. It seems like that um, maybe it's because she doesn't look as good as she did. I think she, she went through this stage when she got a little bit older that she gained a little bit of weight. And she had been so petite and had, like, this waist that was, like, I don't know, 20 inches or some shit like that. And uh, But she kind of looks like a MILF in this one. But basically, I knew nothing about this one in blind, but I thought, hey, Warren Beatty, I want to see some of his shit. And um, I had watched the one um, a few, maybe like a month ago or something, where he was in the... Um, he was working in a mental hospital, and that one actually had a young Peter Fonda in it. I don't even know if I talked about that. Shit, it's been so long ago. But that was a good one. <laughs> that was called... What was that one called? Daddy-o. Warren. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's a woman's name. Beatty. Um, had the... La-la-la. Uh, where are you? Lilith. Yeah, Lilith. That was a good movie. If you want to check that one out. But this one, um, it's... Just to give you the gist, I could read you the synopsis, but uh, just think uh, Lonely Milf uh, meets uh, Compulsive Gambler, and they live in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, kind of fall in love, but, of course, Compulsive... Think about every movie you've ever seen about Compulsive Gamblers or any kind of addiction... Uh, it's a pretty good movie. I The only thing that kind of killed it for me a little bit was the ending. Uh, when Warren Beatty stabs Elizabeth Taylor in the throat with a, a butter knife. And then, um, you know, I'm just joking about that. I would never give away an ending. Fran walks into a piano bar for pizza. She comes back home with Joe, the piano player. Joe plans on winning 5000 and leaving Las Vegas. 
Fran waits for something else. Meanwhile, he moves in with her. Well, goddamn, you son of a bitch. You can't beat that Warren Beatty moving in with you because I heard he had a big old dick on him. And um, I think Joan Collins said she had to break up with him because he worked out so much and took so many vitamins and he was insatiable. And if she wouldn't have broke up with him, her uh, fucking pussy would have fell off. <laughs> okay, so anyway, let's see. Was there anything? Warren Beatty hates casinos and gambling. Well, damn, man, he was really fucking uh, going out there on a limb. Uh, Frank Sinatra was originally cast. Uh, I like that kind of deal where they say who could have been or would have been or was going to be uh, cast. There was one just not that long ago I was reading, and it was really interesting because the person that they picked... Uh, what was that movie? Because the next person in line was Charles Bronson, I think. And it's probably one of the ones I watched, so I will get to it. And it just surprised me because I was like, fuck, that'd be kind of cool plugging in Charles Bronson into that role because the actor that they picked was not like Clint Eastwood or Steve McQueen or somebody like that. It was somebody completely different than Charles fucking Bronson. Okay, so, the only game in town is worth watching, uh, and, and if you like MILFs, you'll like it, because Elizabeth Taylor is, uh, she's like one of those nurturing MILFs that uh, uh, she wants to take care of the bad boy, and he can do just about anything to her, which is kind of cool. <laughs> he treats her like shit, <laughs> and she loves it. She doesn't love it, It makes her makes her but it makes her want him more. Now, this next movie... Um, it confuses me because when I go to look it up, I can't find the motherfucker. Steel Wreath from 1971, directed by Marvin J. Chomsky. Wonder if he's related to Gnome. I I, I think uh, the how how those two's um, paths have diverged. If he's like Gnome Chomsky's brother, and he made this fucking shitty movie, uh, written by E. Richard Johnson. It was based on a novel. Um, starring Telly Savalas, get wait for it, wait for it, Sally Field, wait for it, and Francis, but wait for it, Joe Don Baker and Martin Sheen. So it's got a nice cast. Um, but this was a made-for-TV movie. Um, I wonder if this is where they got the inspiration for the character of Kojak that Telly Savalas played, because he's basically paying Kojak in this movie. Uh, exact same character, but it's Lieutenant Pete Tolstad. Um, and they probably made this movie, and then they said, "Hey, you know, Telly Savalas, uh, this is he. He did a good job. Blah. He's got a bald head. He likes to suck on lollipops, and then he says things." <laughs> Sally Field is very young in this. She's really cute, but she looks like the girl, like the girl next door. Um, you know, the kind that you wanted to bang. Uh, Joan on Baker does not look like people that live next door. But he plays... Okay, the the, um, the original title, is, and which, which I knew it, because I saw it on TV when it first came out, was uh, Mongo's Back in Town. And Joe Don Blaker... Blaker. Joe Don Baker plays Mongo. Now, when I look at Joe Don Baker, I, when I think, like, somebody named Mongo, I think of, like, Ugo... Piazzi from, uh, was that Italian Connection or was that, uh, 45? 
the fucking hell was that movie called? Whatever, I'm not going to go look it up. You guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway, somebody like that, that looks like uh, fucking The Thing from The Fantastic Four. That's not a um, Reservoir Dogs reference. Um, but it's pretty good. He, Joe Don Baker, um, gets out of prison, uh, comes back to his old stomping grounds that his brother is kind of running this gambling place, and his brother is responsible for him going to prison. Uh, Martin Sheen, or Tully Savalas is a cop investigating these crimes, and uh, Martin Sheen is his partner. Martin Sheen's very young in this, too. This is, uh, what, when did Apocalypse Now come out? And Badlands. 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 Which was two years after this. Uh, so Martin Sheen, this is probably before he was, you know, big name, and he still looks good. You can see where he, you know, they, they, uh, you know, hey, hey, he has the look, he has the charisma. It's a small part, but he stands out. Sally Fields, uh, Joe Don meets Sally Fields in this diner, and she's the the uh, stereotypical runaway girl who. Uh, runs away from her shitty old town, doesn't have any money, just a prime prime meat for like some pimp or somebody to pick up. So Joe Don helps her out, and then he they hook up. And he's the kind of guy that uh, he didn't take no shit. And uh, yeah. <laughs> he didn't take no shit from his brother either. Uh, what the fuck was his name? Uh, Mongo Nash. Uh, Charles Coifey? C-I-O-F-F-I. You've seen him in a bunch of shit. He plays Mongo's brother. And he and then there's like a, 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 a kind of a feud going on between him and this other uh, gang. So even though Mongo wants to kick the shit out of his brother, his brother says, okay, well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you help me out with these fuckers that are trying to get me, then I'll help you out and give you the money that I owe you. And Mongo fucking, like, uh, when he first shows up and he gets gets his brother, um, he's sitting there talking to him, and he keeps lighting matches and flipping them in his brother's face. Which is funny, because his brother at first tries to, like, ignore him, and then he can't stand it. It's pretty funny. Uh, it's a good movie. Like I said, it's straight to DVD. The the quality this one is on uh, YouTube also. The quality of it's not that great, but it's worth a watch because it's a like I said, it's a good cast. Uh, and Savalas doesn't like overdo it. He's good. I like that. I like that shaved head, and he's got a bent nose, which is cool too. Um, I watched Mitchell from 1975. Of course, you all know Mitchell. Uh, Andrew uh, McLaughlin uh, directed and written by Ian Kennedy Martin. Starring Joe Don Baker, John Saxon, Martin Balsam, and Linda Evans. Merlin Olson is also in this from the Los Angeles Rams. Um, there's lots of different you know people that you'll you'll recognize. A uh, little character actor deal. Um, <coughs> the one thing about this that I wanted to say because everybody knows Mitchell and because of Mystery Science Theater and everything. Uh, and if you're a Joe Don Baker fan, you've seen it. Um, I think that this was the first time that I, and this is also on YouTube for free, um, this is the first time I have seen Mitchell uncut. When the first time I saw it, which was probably if this was made in 1975, it was probably in the mid to late 70s, and um, it was always on TV, so I didn't see the uncut version. And the the um, uncut version is a hell of a lot more violent than the cut version. 
and you get to see Mitchell scream at that little kid and shit like that. And him and Linda Evans fuck. And well, I like their relationship because she's like a, a prostitute, but um, they like each other. And but that still doesn't mean that he won't uh, throw some handcuffs on her and take her down to the the Hooskow or the Pokey, whatever. Saxon's pretty good in this. Balsam's good. Um, it's not as shitty as people say it is. It's funny to watch when you've watched Mystery Science Theater. But like I said, the uncut version is a lot more fucking, you know, big old grotesque Joe Don Baker smashing people's heads with boulders and stuff. It's kind of cool. So I like that. A sleazy, incompetent detective tries to simultaneously take down heroin dealers and corrupt businessmen who murdered a burglar. Yeah, that's right there at the beginning, so that's not giving away anything. I'll see if they got any... I'm going to be like some of these other uh, podcasts where I just read the, read the IMDb shit, because I'm learning too here. I, some stuff I don't know. Uh, final theatrical film for Merlin Olson. I remember he was in The Undefeated with John Wayne and Rock Hudson and J. Michael Vincent, and I think Sally Field might have been in that too. Uh, one of... One trademark of Jodon Baker, oranges, uh, particularly peeling them. And Mitchell and Final Justice, that's where he plays Thomas Jefferson, something Geronimo. We reviewed that on the show. That was a, kind of a funny movie where the they go to, um, where is it in Italy? Malta. And when the bad guy... He's like he's laying out in the sun, and he goes in to take a shower, and, or no, his one of the he has got these girls in bikinis laying out with him and everything because he's like he kind of reminded me of Scaramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun, and the girl goes in to take a shower, takes her bikini off, and goes to take a shower, and he goes in there and he gets behind her, and he starts fucking her, but when he's fucking her, he likes he's like squeezing the the muscles. On her, he's like hurting her while he's fucking her, and her tits are getting mashed up against the glass. So that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, blah blah blah. <laughs> Martin Balsam and uh, Joe Dom were in Cape Fear too. That's trivia for you there. Um, you don't get that all the time on Silver and Gold. Usually my trivia comes from my brain. What else we got here? Is there anything else with the name Mitchell in it? <laughs> The Mitchells versus the Marines. Now that would be cool. That's that says that's coming out in 2020, whatever it is, or versus the Machines. I thought it said the Marines. Um, if they had a whole, like they took the character of Mitchell and they cloned him, so they had a whole army of Mitchells versus. And I'm going to change it from the Machines to the Marines, and then they brawl. That would be kind of cool. I think that would be cool in my my brain, my opinion. Mitchellville. There's a movie called Mitchellville. That'd be kind of cool if you went there and it was just like everybody dressed and acted like Mitchell. Everybody was a detective that drank Schlitz. Picked him up. I like how he was kind of, he had like toes like me. He, when he was fucking Linda Evans, he would use his toes to pick up the Schlitz because it had that, that plastic uh, rings around the sixer, the six pack. And one of them didn't have a beer, so he could snag it with his big toe. That was kind of cool. Um, I watched Dirtbag, The Legend of Fred Becky from 2017. This is a documentary about a mountain climber. Uh, this guy, Fred Becky, and 
It's pretty good. I like mountain climbing stuff, uh, documentaries and series and things like that. Even the Iger sanction in movies ooh, 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 about uh, mountain climbing. And this Fred Becky, uh, he's I guess kind of legendary. A dirtbag is somebody who it's kind of like a surfer that just goes from like Bodie and them. They they don't really have jobs and they just kind of drift and find a way to get from one place to the next and mooch off people and live off the land or the trash can or whatever. So he's kind of one of those guys. He's an old man when they're making this and uh, they go back in time to when he was way, you know, younger and everything. He's always been that way. Um, he had an old shitty like Thunderbird car um, like Suzanne Summers drove in uh, American Graffiti, but this was old beat up and he would always just kind of latch on to people and find a girl to 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 date and uh you know live off of her probably money as far as food not like like somebody who's rich but somebody who can just get him a fucking cheeseburger every once in a while and a and uh maybe a place to sleep uh so he's kind of an interesting guy and they go into you know a lot of people admire him because he is sort of like i don't know if i want to say an idiot savant but one of those people that does one thing well and is obsessed with it, and that's him with mountain climbing. And so he remembers every little nook and cranny of every rock face and maps it out in his head, and he keeps notes of everything. But then there's some people that say that he's, like, selfish, and when it came down to it on the mountain, if he was climbing with another person or a group, that he was about himself. So you have that kind of a deal. It's interesting. It was on... Um, I think iTunes for free, or not for free, for uh, 99 cents. So, you know, I look for the cheapies on there. So that's pretty good. Just wrote that. Uh, Song Without End, 1960. Okay, I remember what this is. <laughs> I was going to say some of these, uh, I don't know if I, you know, but anyway, I do remember. This is directed by Charles Vidor and George Cukor. Uh, written by Oscar Millard, and it stars Dirk Bogard, who I like Dirk Bogard as an actor and have been watching a lot of his stuff. Uh, Capuchin, and uh, Genevieve Page. Who else is in this? La 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 da. Okay, so anyway, nobody else that I really notice. I mean, there's lots of people in it, but uh, this is the story of Franz Licht. Uh, the composer. Uh, this is kind of one of those ones that um, I rented it on iTunes uh, because it had Dirk Bogart in it and Cappuccino because I think she's really pretty. Um, but it's kind of out of my wheelhouse. It's an older style movie. Uh, it's 1960. It's kind of like a definitely a holdover from maybe like the 50s. Um, and they... Even in the uh, like trivia or whatever about it, they said like list. Uh, they made Dirk Bogard's hair look more like the hairstyle of the day, which would be like an Elvis kind of a hairstyle. Um, even though Franz Liszt didn't, he probably wore like goddamn powdered wigs or something. I don't know. But anyway, he does a good job and everything, and it's it's interesting, but it just didn't really. He's kind of like, basically, kind of like a rock star back in the day. And he gets in with this uh, Russian uh, princess or whatever. 
and or queen and um she it'd be like if robert plant showed up and uh fucking um melania trump wanted to suck his cock or was sucking his cock and then you know but it would be a different country so it would be like somebody like if uh putin's wife was sucking robert plant's cock and you know she liked it and they actually were in love and she didn't want to go back and la 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 so anyway you know but it's okay it's just okay it didn't really light my fire um you can miss it but i mean some some you know like uh see here um podcast you know that's really into music and all different kinds of music uh, might get into this more and have more knowledge of the subject. I only have knowledge of love and getting my cock sucked. <laughs> okay. I watched uh, 1943's Hangman Also Die. Or wait a minute, it's got an exclamation point. Hangman Also Die! Um, this The reason I watched this, um, somebody recommended it on another unaffiliated movie group, I think. Uh, but it, the, one of the reasons I wanted to watch it is because it was directed by Fritz Lang or Fritz Long, depending on if you want to speak American and say Lang. Uh, after the Nazi administrator of Czechoslovakia is shot, that would be Reinhard Heydrich, uh, his assassin tries to elude the Gestapo and struggles with his impulse to give himself up as hostages are executed. Now, there have been several movies made about Heydrich uh, and all the shit he did and him being assassinated and what and and those movies are like spot on bam 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 this is what happened this is who killed him this is what happened in the aftermath and what happened to them and everything this is it goes along with you know Heydrich's a piece of shit and he's a mass murderer and everything and we got to do something about it so and then it's got it's almost kind of got an army of shadows feel not i mean army of shadows is like a fucking masterpiece and this is too you know because fritz lang was great uh for its time uh 1943 um but it doesn't follow strictly along with what happened and especially it it it, uh, the it gets fictionalized especially the the um the conclusion and what happens and everything but it's still fun to watch and there's some stuff in it there's i don't even want to say what this one thing is that is just that lang must have decided to throw in and it just disturbed me because it was so fucking it was just something that's really gross and just out of the blue and i'm like (laughs) anyway uh and it's a little thing if you watch it you'll know what it is as soon as you see it it's not like something like you know what i don't know how to say it but anyway I thought it was good. <laughs> well, we got any trivia? <laughs> Lionel Standers in this. I remember him. There's some. There's some good stuff in this. Some some good old school acting. It's a black and whitey. Uh, goofs. After the German soldier shoots open the study door, the door is opened. Yet there are no bullets. Well, fuck you. I guess it sucks. Um. I watched. I was a communist for the FBI. There's a whole bunch of... I don't know how I found these. But you find one, and then it's like down the, the, the chain uh, rabbit hole or whatever uh, on YouTube. If you watch, if you find one of them, you start watching it, then it will offer you up a whole bunch of other stuff. 
which is these anti-commie um, movies from the 1950s. I remember watching, when I was a little kid, I loved John Wayne, and uh, I watched all John Wayne's movies, and there was one, Big Jim McClain. Well, I didn't know, I watched it, and it was like John Wayne and Peter, not Peter Graves, James Arness, because Peter Graves and James Arness are brothers, but it was, uh, I think it was James Arness. They were cops in Hawaii. And I was too young to understand what the fuck in hell was going on in the movie, so I really didn't like it that much. It was one that I just kind of was like, eh, I don't need this is not that great. It's not what I expect from John Wayne. But then when I watched it when I got older, then I realized it's an anti-commie movie. Like, it's these subversive commies that are trying to take over Hawaii. <laughs> Shit. It's pretty funny. Anyway, but that's the way these are, and they're kind of fun to watch. They're not bad. I mean, you know, they're bad and you know, because they build up this hysteria and shit, but, uh, or try to. But uh, in Pittsburgh, PA, an FBI agent works to undermine the Communist Party, but his brothers... Uh, but his brothers and his teenage boy think he's a real red. This was directed by Gordon Douglas. Um... Writer Crane Wilbur. That sounds like a fake name. Matt Svet Svetic. That sounds like a commie name. And this stars Frank Lovejoy, Dorothy Hart, and Philip Carey. I was gonna say it would be kind of funny to see a movie about like a director that just made that just he that that in the movie he makes anti commie movies like that's his big thing, and that's how. And he's got like a big mansion and shit because he makes all these movies, but uh, no one will take him seriously as a as like a real director and give him like a real project. But then I started thinking that one Cohen Brothers movie where Channing Tatum dances um, had some. It was kind of based in that era, Arara. So I guess I'm fucking behind pulling up behind Tit again. Um, yeah, let's see, is there anything funny in the, Oh, I'm sure there's all kinds. Of, uh, Matt Svet, Svetik is real, really was a Pittsburgh native who really was asked by the Federal Bureau of Investigation to join the Communist Party. Okay, well, I guess he was the guy that it was based on. It's it's worth watching. It's, you know, all those ones. Even like, uh, whatchamacallit, um, the one about pot, uh, where you, if you smoke pot, you turn into a psychopath. What the hell was that called? What was that called? The marijuana movie? Whatever. Who cares? Um, that's not my department. <laughs> I watched 1955's Mr. Roberts, uh, starring Henry Fonda, directed by John Ford, um, ba -ba -ba -ba, based on a play, you know, um, and I, Henry Fonda played it on Broadway for quite a while, I guess. And this also has Jack Lemmon in it, uh, James Cagney. Who else? Ward Bond, who's a fucking asshole in real life, from what I understand. Nick Adams. Ken Curtis, who was Festus on Gunsmoke. Uh, Harry Carey Jr., he was... Well, I guess these are guys... I was going to say he was in John Wayne's uh, kind of acting troupe, but uh, John Ford and John Wayne kind of went hand-in-hand hand there for a long time. So you had Ward Bond, Harry Carey Jr., Ken Curtis, um, and um, uh, Patrick Wayne, John Wayne's son, in this... Um, but um, to be honest with you, I've seen this before, and I decided to watch it again. It's good, but it's it's really hokey. Uh, the end is great, um, and it's a classic. 
but it really is from a different era, which kind of makes you kind of like cringe sometimes and just kind of roll your eyes at some of the shit that they're just laughing and they just think Mr. Roberts, oh, he's just so goddamn great. Everything. They'd be fucking like, you know, I don't know. He, I don't know. It just kind of was so goofy. Um, I expected him to break out in like a fucking dance routine or some shit like that, like Shanning Tatum. But anyway, Mr. Roberts is a classic, so I don't want to shit all over it. Uh, Jack Lemmon fucking got on my nerves, and I like Jack Lemmon, but like I said, it's just the way this movie was, lighthearted and, you know, ooh, rollicking. <laughs> I watched uh, The Red Menace. Let's see. This was directed by R.G. Springsteen. I don't know if he's related to Bruce. Uh, writers uh, Albert DeMond and Gerald Garati. Garati? Uh, stars Robert Stockwell, Hanalor Axman, and Betty Lou Garçon. Uh, let's see, what's, what's the uh, synopsis? Did I actually watch this? A delusion, bitter XGI gets involved at the Communist Party and winds up falling in love with one of its instructors. Yes, I did watch this. <laughs> this is one of those ones I was like, I probably won't remember. Um, at very first uh, true believers, they realize they're mistaken. At first true, what? At first true believers, they realize they are mistaken. Anyway, so what the deal was with this motherfucker is, he gets in there and um, he likes this chick that's in there, and they fall in love. And of course, the way these commies fucking work, you know, if you if if you, it's like when Stalin would say, uh, tell everybody to tell on like their parents and their best friends and their neighbors and everything and blah, blah, blah. And uh, that's the way this is. He's in love with this chick. And um, she, you know, just an anti-commie movie, which just lead me to believe that I fucking can't remember what the fuck it was about. So anyway, other than, you know, just the usual shit. But they're funny. They're funny to watch. Um, Anyway, so that was kind of like throwaway. That was a snow day movie where I was just churning them out. Um... This one was really good. 1968. Now listen, that one sucked. But this was really good. <laughs> for 1967, far from the madden madding crowd, not maddening, madding crowd. Um, this stars Julie Christie, meow, Peter Finch, Alan Bates, and Terrence Stamp. Really good movie. I had never seen it or heard of it before, and um, Bathsheba Everdeen. A willful, flirtatious young woman unexpectedly inherits a large farm and is romantically pursued by three different men. So you have Alan Bates, who is a guy who... um, He had like a flock of sheep. He was a herdsman. But then he ends up going to work for Julie Christie. He's her like right-hand man on her big ranch farm thing deal. Lots of people, lots of workers and everything. He's like the foreman. Um, Then you have... That's Alan Bates. Peter Finch is a real rich guy who owns a big estate, like right that that borders hers, and he's lonely and shit like that. Never really had a never had a wife and everything. And uh, but then he sees Julie Christie and he gets like the his nuts get all fucking bunched up. And Terrence Stamp is a cavalry soldier. Um, who is like like a, a strutting rooster, like the cock of the walk, and it, like the synopsis says, they all, you know, are after her, 
uh, and they all handle it differently. And she is kind of, she's like, uh, I hate to say like the prize pig because <laughs> she's not anything but a pig and she's a nice lady and everything. But she's like, um, if you lived in a town where there was limited population and one, one there's only like one woman above the age of consent that is hot and that's single, you know, and everybody's trying to get with her and they all have their their advantages and disadvantages and you know, does she wanna just do it so she can have security and have a man around? Does she wanna uh combine the the estates with this other guy who's rich and and uh he's a good man and then Terrence Stamp of again he's like Ro- the Robert Plant uh uh kind of the strutting rooster but he he makes her like all fucking uh steamy in the crotch <laughs> This is really good. I really like this one. Uh so uh, good acting and everything. This is a big recommend from The Zom. Although be forewarned it is long it is almost three hours long it's two hours and 48 minutes and i think it might even have an intermission in there if i remember correctly but julie christie's so good looking wow uh watch the watchman who watches the watchman i did 2009 again two hours and 42 minutes wow uh but this is really good uh zack snyder but i like this movie um Jack Earl Haley is Rorschach. Patrick Wilson, uh, Carla Gugino, I like her. She's got big boobies. Uh, Billy Crudup is um, Doctor Manhattan. Who else? Jeffrey D. Morgan's excellent in this. He's he's got a uh, 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 the the a plum role because uh, the comedian is you know has a lot of good shit, and so does uh, Rorschach. Uh, this is, I just like this movie. It's, you know, I know that What's-His-Face fucking uh, didn't want to have anything to do with any of the movies that are made off of his work. Alan Moore. Uh, the only problem, and I don't know if I would say it's a problem, Malin Ackerman just doesn't do it for me. Uh, she is as bland as fucking dry toast in my IMO, in my opinion. Uh, so anyway, we don't need to talk about The Watchmen because well, I've talked about it before. I watched uh, 1936's Fury, uh, or as my friend would say, Furry. This isn't Furry with Brad Pitt, the tank movie. Um, anyway, this was also directed by Fritz Lang. I got into a Fritz Lang thing. He uh, uh, directed it and also was uh, co-author on the screenplay with uh, Bartlett Cormack. This stars Sylvia Sidney, Spencer Tracy, Walter Abel. Uh, basically what this deal is, is um <clears throat> case of uh, mistaken identity, which sees a character uh, accused of a crime he didn't commit. And then um, the whole thing kind of revolves. It's like an oxbow incident uh, with... Um, Henry Fonda, uh, case of mistaken identity, and then kind of a mob mentality. The whole movie is based on that psychological thing of the mob mentality. It's a good movie. Um, 1936, Spencer Tracy is is very young in this, and he still kind of looks old. Not as old as he did, like in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. But uh, I would recommend this one, definitely. Um, I don't want to say too much more about it, because I don't want to give anything away. But so that's Fury uh, with Spencer Tracy. Uh, who else is in that? Real quick, uh, I, re- I rec- 
recognize Bruce Cabot. He was in some John Wayne movies. Walter Brennan, also in some John Wayne movies. Eh, who else? That's about it. Let's move on. Fury. Not I went by it quick, but don't think that it's not good. It's a good movie. Yeah, that one I got on iTunes. It was not on YouTube. Um, I was in a Fritz Lang mood. I watched another 99-cent rental on iTunes called The Snowman Trek from 2018. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is uh, kind of like a mountaineering kind of a thing. They don't they don't mountain climb, but it's uh, like I said, like mountaineering where they're more or less hiking on this uh, snowman trek, which is this long. Um, <sighs> there's different routes. Uh, you're going from point A to point B, and these guys are um, professional mountaineering kind of uh, hiking people trekking I guess uh, and they say we're going to um, do this whole it's like the Appalachian Trail in the United States and they say we're going to do this whole thing as a team and because you have to you have to do it as a team the country which is it Nepal um, I'm trying to think where the fucking hell it's at and everything but anyway um, they have specific uh, rules the the country does that says you know you have to take a certain amount of people with you you have to take uh, like uh, uh, sherpas and horses and stuff and the and so there's kind of like some friction because these uh, trekkers can go a lot faster than the horses and the horses are only allowed to walk for like four four or six hours a day and these guys are like you know in such great shape they want to go like as fast as they can for as long as they can every day and really push it and they're not really allowed to um but it's it's interesting because i don't know anything about that stuff but you know it's just kind of like a not the greatest documentary in the world but uh you know it's kind of fun it's a you know a race deal and then the dynamic of people being together and 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 the elements and it's got some really pretty scenery too Let's move on from that. Uh, 2017, and that's Let the Corpses Tan, uh, directed by uh, Helene Kete, Bruno Forzani, and uh, written by them also. This stars Eilina Lonchon, uh Stefan Ferrara, Bernie Bonovoisin. A um, whole bunch of other people with weird names that I could sit here and. Uh, Marilyn Jess is in this, so that's easy to say. Anyway, okay, here's what you got. This is a very experimental. This would be like if Yodawarski. Uh, kind of like the style of movie that he makes except it's a little bit more well like holy mountain i never did finish that i even bought it i have it i could watch it anytime i want i started watching it couldn't get into it i like el topo you have the way it's shot and um is kind of like sort of like that uh definitely a spaghetti western influence um you have this uh these artists artists and they are kind of on this um 
know if it's an island. Where the hell does this take place? La la. The Mediterranean summer, blue sea, blazing sun. Um, and anyway, somebody steals like a whole shitload of fucking gold. And then there are about, you have the people that are already there. Um, there's this one woman, what was her name? Because I even looked her up. Uh, that's uh, Elena Lowens, Lowenson. And you can tell that she is like the withered flower that she was like a real, probably a really haughty uh, back in her day. And then I looked her up and she was, let me look her up here real quick. Cause she was in a, a several like famous movies. She was in Schindler's list, Nadia engagement, dark water from 2005. Uh, but anyway, so she's, uh, how old is she? La 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 la. She's as old as me. Wee. <laughs> She's so old. But anyway, um, she is an artiste, and she's staying at this place on the Mediterranean. Um, sorry, my earphones are killing me. And um, with with her people, and, you know, they're very, like, uh, anti, anti-capitalism, anti-government, anti... They're, like, anarchists or whatever, uh, but they're, like, painters and sculptors and all this. And... These guys do this robbery, and they have a whole bunch of fucking gold. And then there is some uh, motorcycle cops that show up, and they're crooked as fuck. And everybody's trying to get the gold. And but that that's like I said, that's kind of like the spaghetti western kind of a deal of it. But um, which is really good. It's really cool, and it's got a lot of violence in it. And um, they have. Um, a lot of great faces like they would have in like uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, the character actors and things like that. A lot of weird, strange, sexual uh, imagery. and um, But I really like this. Uh, I think some people will not. It can be a little bit confusing. I think I would like to watch it again now that I've seen it the first time and have an idea of the story and the faces and who all the characters are. Because uh, it flashes from one thing to the next and everything, and I get, and a lot of it takes place at night with uh, people hunkered down and trying to get to from one point to get over to the gold, and other people shooting at them, and they're trying to sneak over here and sneak over there, and it's in the dark and trying to, and there's uh, some backstabbing and some uh, stuff like that going on. But I really liked it because I like spaghetti westerns, and like I said, it, it's sort of like a um, Yodaworski kind of uh, feel for how it's shot. Uh, but anyway, you have to watch it. It's This one, uh, I think Will the Thrill of Harrow introduced me to it. He went to see it at a theater and uh, I was like, oh, shit, I'll probably never get to see this. And then one day, for some reason, I was on iTunes and I just did a search for it and it's on there. So if you want to watch it, uh, you can rent it. I did not. I didn't buy it. I will buy it now because I've seen it and I liked it. Uh, but you can rent it and it's worth it. Check it out. Dig it. Uh, watch the Seahawk from 1940, and this is an Errol Flynn uh, pirate movie uh, directed by Michael Curtis, and uh, I'm sorry, directed by Michael Curtis, and written by Howard Koch. And uh, Citon I. Miller. 
Um, I really like this one. Um, I would like to see some more Errol Flynn pirate movies because they're legendary. This one is uh, based on some true stuff, and it uh, also is accused of having uh, anti-Nazi um, shit like in there. Um, it takes... Uh, Errol Flynn basically is a pirate, but he works for the Queen of England. And um, so when he goes and gets some booty, not like tits and ass, but like uh, gold and stuff, when he goes up against another ship, when they take it over, he brings back the, the spoils to the Queen. And she's in love with him. Um, and she knows that he's a man of adventure and a man of the sea. And, of course, he's not of royal blood, so she can't, you know, bang him. And she's not that great looking. Uh, who played the queen? La, 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 la. Flora Robson. Alan Hale is in this, and that's not Alan Hale Jr., the skipper from Gilligan's Island. That is his dad, Alan Hale. And they kind of look like he's a big burly guy. Claude Rains is in this. Uh, anybody else I recognize? No. But anyway, like I said, I think they made this in 1940, and they were kind of trying to make some statements about Hitler's rise in Nazi Germany and him taking, you know, if you give him an inch, you take a mile. Uh, the main um, uh, villain in this is the country of Spain and their ships and the shit that they do, like when they capture... Uh, English um, uh, sailors, you know, they put them to work as slaves in the galley and make them row and all that stuff. Like if you've seen Ben-Hur where they do the, you know, whip them and, you know, okay, uh, four or five speed, you know, ramming speed, and all that shit. Uh, Errol Flynn's dashing and dashing and daring. Uh, the drink he was sharing with wicked Felina, the girl that I love, so in anger. I... Uh, so that's that's uh, not fucking pirates. That's the West Texas town of El Paso, fighting the badlands of New Mexico. Anyway, Errol Flynn, I want to now see uh, Captain Blood, and I want to see. I have not seen uh, Robin Hood. The original uh, with uh, Errol Flynn. I want to see some Errol Flynn stuff. I uh, the one I think uh, what was the one? The, was it Lost Command? Not Lost Command. Or was it was he in Bo Jest? I've seen him in movies, but it's um, like when he, uh, uh, westerns uh, like Dodge City. But uh, the movies that I've seen him in is when he was older, uh, pretty washed up in a fucking um, what you call it an alcoholic and it really looks he really shows uh what else have i seen errol flynn and he's made so many fucking movies uh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. kim i think i saw that just recently mm, adventures of don juan didn't see it i lived it oh, 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 just kidding uh anyway this is boring for you guys um died with her boots on where he plays general custer i saw that seahawk that's the one i just reviewed Virginia City, I haven't seen that one. I want to watch it because I think that one's the one with him and Randolph Scott. I have Dodge City on DVD. That's the one that has the uh, legendary giant saloon fight with about goddamn 500 fucking people brawling at the same time. 
but like I said, I want to see some of his swashbuckling shit. I've never, I've never uh, swashed a buckle. Anyway, Seahawks pretty good. It's worth a watch. Um, okay, now this is a Netflix made-for-Netflix movie from 2019 called Close. And, uh, excuse me, this is uh, directed and written by Vicky Jusen, and it stars Numi Rapace, and that's why I pretty much watched it. Well, it's new on Netflix, and of course it's free. I like Numi Rapace. Um, this is just kind of an average movie. Um, it is based on a real-life lady who is a uh, female bodyguard. Uh, if you look her up... Um, Nomi Rapace looks like she's about five foot two, and this woman looks like she's about six foot three or something. She looks pretty fucking rough and like somebody you don't want to fuck with. But they do a good job. It's just uh, it, the the thing about the movie is it's really just kind of by the books. Uh, it's not that anybody's acting's bad, although the one girl that play, Olivia Jusen, who plays um, or no, is it Zoe? Is uh, Sophie? Nalise, I think that's the person I'm thinking of. Yeah, she plays the um, the rich person's daughter that Numi Rapace is paid to protect, and um, she is annoying as fuck. Uh, but when I even when I was watching this, I was like, I hate this fucking girl. It's just like, ugh, I can't even stand her. And then I started thinking, okay, well, she might be a great actress because that's probably how she's fucking supposed to be. But like I said, the movie, the th- the pro- my problem with the movie is it's nothing that I haven't seen before, and it's very by the book. It's very predictable and very cookie cutter. So it's, you know, as average as average can get. Uh, I watched uh, The Old Man and the Gun from 2018. Uh, David Lowry, written and directed, uh, based on the New York the New Yorker article. This is uh, based on a true story, which I didn't know when I was watching it. And it stars Robert Redford, Casey Affleck, and Sissy Spacek. Um, and Danny Glover, Tom Waits, which is cool. And um, it's uh, Robert Redford's gang is Robert Redford, Danny Glover, and Tom Waits. And they're kind of like the over-the-hill gang. And uh, modern day, I mean, it's not like cowboys or anything. But... Um, I wanted to see this. I almost went to see it in the theater because I like Robert Redford, and they said this is going to be his last movie. Uh, I'm kind of glad I waited. It's good, but it's nothing. You know, I didn't like chub up or anything. I, it's it's a it's a nice little movie with a with a kind of a nice little message, and everybody's kind of likable and shit. And, uh, um, kind of what I thought that the one with like him and Nick Nolte about the Appalachian Trail. When some of these uh, actors get older they start making like really sentimental movies unlike William Holden in The Wild Bunch <laughs> where he got older and he made a, the baddest ass fucking unrepentant fucking gore fest you know he's in there and yeah, whatever. Anyway and um, so anyway and, and like I said, like Errol Flynn, when he was old alcoholic and shit like that in some of the movies I watched, uh, it wasn't like um, they had to take a trip down memory lane and everything's great. And that's kind of... I liked Robert Redford's character in this, and um, like I said, I liked the movie. It's a little bit above average. I wish it would have been way better, 
but it's worth a watch. So long, Bob. Probably won't be reviewing any more of your movies in you know in the near future. I watched 2018's First Man, uh, directed by Damien Chazelle, written by Josh Singer, and uh, based on the book uh, by James R. Hansen. Stars Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy, uh, Jason Clark. It's got a bunch of people in it. Uh, let's see who else is in this. Kyle Chandler, uh, Corey Stoll's in it, uh, Syrian Hines, Pablo Schreiber. I always see him in everything now. Uh, he's really tall. Uh, Luke Haas, uh, Lucas Haas. Who's Lucas Haas? Is he a wrestler? <laughs> no. This guy, what else was he in? He was in Witness. He must have been a little kid in that because he looks. He was in the Reverend, Revenant Inception. Hmm. Anyway, whatever. Um, just uh, there is a wrestler named Luke Hollis. So, uh, but I like this movie a lot. I, again, this is another one I almost went to see at the theater, but I kind of put off and then thought, well, I'll just catch it on uh, digital download. I'm a big Ryan Gosling fan, of course, as everybody knows. But uh, one of the reasons I wanted to see this is I saw Buzz Aldrin. Uh, he's very. Um, He's not press shy and goes around. He's very uh, uh, bombastic and entertaining the way he talks. And he uh, people love having him on talk shows and things like that. And one talk show I watched, and I can't remember what it was, if it was Howard Stern or Joe Rogan or, or what show it was, Buzz Aldrin was on there, and they were talking about Neil Armstrong. Well, Neil Armstrong was first man on the moon. And when you think about it, you really... Now, I grew up during that time um, when Tang and astronauts were a big thing and, you know, everybody was serving their kids Tang and you would get the little lunar uh, landing toys and astronaut toys and everything. And it was a big thing. And Neil Armstrong was this great hero. And you had the movie The Right Stuff, which had the Mercury astronauts and all that, and John Glenn and Sam, uh, Sam Shepard. Uh, um, Chuck Yeager who's from West Virginia where I'm from and um, all that stuff and you didn't hear after a while you just really didn't hear that much about Neil Armstrong hardly would hear anything about it well Buzz Aldrin even said in that interview he said Neil is just a different kind of guy he isn't into the being around in the press uh, never did a lot of interviews, didn't want any press, didn't want that attention. It made him uncomfortable. He's kind of a shy guy and everything. So going into this movie, I knew that. And I knew, and I thought, you know, well, Gosling would be great in this part because he's always known as an actor that uh, doesn't say a lot and, you know, doesn't emote. Some people think he doesn't emote enough or act enough or uh, that he just kind of stands there and everything. But I, I, I don't. I was going to say I get Ryan Gosling and what he's doing, uh, but then that sounds like a, I'm an asshole. But because uh, the saying that other people don't, I just like him. I like his style. I like uh, his look. I like the way he acts and doesn't have to fucking sit there and say a million things or like Robert De Niro in uh, Copland act with a sandwich, <laughs> you know. And uh, but I really like this movie. I'm interested. I have. Uh, several books about um, not just 
the American Space Program. I have one called Moonshot, which is really good because it covers uh, the Russians and the Americans. And it's not just, well, we did this, and they, they had just done this, so we did this. They actually go into the different cosmonauts and the tragedies that they had in their program and things like that. It's more in-depth. Uh, but I thought this was a really good movie, and I heard people say that they thought it was boring. And, man, I'm telling you, I was white-knuckling a lot of this shit. I think that maybe, again, I don't want to sound pretentious and like I I get it or something and other people don't. If you liked it, you liked it. If you didn't, you didn't. But, man, when you're sitting on this fucking giant fucking bomb and the thing, and it's getting ready to explode and send you up into goddamn fucking space, you know, people see all these uh, sci-fi movies where people are flying in space and it's like nothing. I mean, this is reality, and these guys are scared fucking shitless, and you get up there and, and you can't get back, or you're stuck, or the thing fucking blows up, or it falls apart, or you fucking just pass out, or that, like... I mean, the thing starts spinning in space, and it's going so fast spinning that you can't even fucking think straight, and you're like the G-forces and everything, and la da da And just not only that, but how it it takes a f- uh, the toll it takes on the family. And the thing that I liked about them covering Neil Armstrong, you know, of course, he was the first man on the moon, so he's an important figure and everything, but... Not everybody is cookie cutter. Not everybody is, you know, the gung-ho jock. Let's go get him for America, you know. And the wife's like, oh, honey, you're, what you're doing is so important and everything. It, it's, it's not like that. It's real people. I like this movie. I will buy this. Meh. Gosling. I've been watching Black Mirror, and for some reason... Every time I get on Netflix, it puts me on season four, and I don't know it. And so I've watched about four episodes of season four, and I haven't watched any of season one, which pisses me off. I'm watching it. I'm like, man, this is so good. Every episode is different, and, and it's it's really good. Emily and a lot of the people over at the GGMTV have recommended this. Um, every episode I have watched, I come away with wanting to tell everybody about it. Uh, so Black Mirror is really good. So check that one out. It's on Netflix for free. Well, not for free, but if you have a subscription, you can watch it as many times as you want. I watched uh, 2011's Hannah, uh, directed by Joe Wright and written by Seth uh, Lockhead and David Farr. And this stars uh, Sorsha Ronan, uh, Kate Blanchett, and Eric Bana. And I love this movie. I love the music in it. I love the creepiness of all the villains. It reminds me of Jean Lacare, that uh, the people in this uh, intelligence um, black ops kind of world are all fucking nasty, dirty, scumbag, murdering rapist backstabbing pieces of shit um this is one movie that i really like eric banna in i like eric banna uh i i just think that some of the movies that he picks are just not that great but this one i really liked my main the main thing i liked in this was kate blanchett 
I she was a nasty mean ass nasty witchy uh person in this but it kind of was hot <laughs> uh, I liked it I I just like everything about this movie I I now own it I bought it I guess there's a series coming out uh based on the on the movie so and uh but it's not going to have uh Sorsha Ronan and I believe it's got uh Oh, what's her name that played Lizzie in that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Yay, yay, yay. Let me look it up. That was in The Killing. Hannah. Hannah. Esme Creed, Miles, and Muriel Enos. That's the chick I'm thinking of. I like her. She's a little bundle of joy, like a little gremlin. And she's playing the Kate Blanchett part. And Esme Creed, Miles, is playing Hannah. Hannah. And what else was she in? Dark River, Mr. Lonely. She wouldn't hasn't been in a lot. Pond Life, Undercliff, Dark River, and Mr. Lonely. She's a very young lass. She was born in two thousand. That makes me want to vomit. That humans are still being born. <laughs> so anyway, I like Hannah or Hannah. Hannah. Uh, next thing I watched, I didn't watch Badlands. That was when I was looking at Martin Sheen. I'm on the wrong page. Kate Blanchett was hot in that man. She was a nasty bitch. Mm. Dig it. A Double Life from 1947. This was directed by George Cukor, who did a fucking shitload of uh, legendary movies. Uh, written by Ruth Gordon and Garçon Canin. Stars Ronald Coleman and Edmund O'Brien and Cine. Uh, hustle. The gist of this, and I would almost like to see it remade, is like somebody like Daniel Day-Lewis, who is a method actor that has, like when he played Lincoln, he walked around acting like fucking Abraham Lincoln for months and wouldn't wear buttons and all this shit. I can't remember. Just stuff like that. <coughs> <coughs> Hang on a second. I'm going to cough. Or I did cough. <clears throat> Anthony John is an actor whose life is strongly influenced by his characters, the characters he plays. When he's playing a comedy, he's the most enjoyable person in the world. When he's playing a drama, he's serious, you know what I mean? So then when he's playing a killer, or a psycho. So his thing is he's this great like uh, Broadway uh, actor on stage and he becomes obsessed he's playing Othello and he becomes obsessed with playing Othello uh, and he he starts going nuts so this that's all I want to say about this one it's good because I don't want to give away anymore but that should give you that should give you the breadcrumbs that would lead you to want to watch this again I would like to, like I know Daniel Day Lewis said he wasn't going to make any more movies but I think this would be like something that would be I don't know if I'd say right up his alley because it would be too gimmicky because it would be based on somebody like him. Anyway, but anyway, I just thought that this was good. It's an interesting concept. And then after I watched this, I was looking up like the Orson Welles Othello and the different people that have played Othello and wanting to watch those movies, the different interpretations. 
I like Orson Welles. <clears throat> uh, ugh, Jesus H. Christ. Sorry. I don't think I've been talking that long, have I? Uh, hour 27. Well, let's go a little bit longer. I don't have that much more to go. Uh, World War Z from 2013. This is a uh, movie that really, you know, polarizes people, I guess. And the main thing that I heard from people is it's not that it's a bad movie. It's that it shouldn't have been called World War Z. They could have called it anything else, but they're they're really stuck on what World War Z should be from the Max Brooks book. Uh, which I have, and I have the, um, it's not like a sequel, it's like a follow-up little diary thing, which is all interesting. When I read World War Z, it does make me wonder how they would have shot that just straight from the book. It would almost have to be... like a faux documentary kind of a thing, maybe. Something like that is what I was thinking. But I enjoyed this movie. I liked it. Mariel Enos is in this, who I was just talking about in the TV show Hannah. Uh, Brad Pitt, of course, is the star. They are actually shooting the sequel right now. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do there. Um, I just like this movie. I thought it had a lot of nail-biting moments. I like the running zombies because it's fucking scary as shit that these cocksuckers are coming after you and everything. Um, One scene I really liked is at the very beginning when after all the shit starts going down and they go, the the little girl has asthma and they go to the um, pharmacy and all the shit that goes on in the pharmacy. It's not a real long scene, but there's a couple of things that happen and you're just like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, But I really liked it. I like Brad Pitt on his little journey, <clears throat> going around trying to find uh, some clues. Uh, and also, now the one thing that I was thinking about in this movie, and maybe you guys can offer some input, when they went to the base where the Navy SEALs are, they land the plane and everything, and they get off, and the dude that's going to help Brad Pitt try and find the cure accidentally does something, and then he's out of the picture. Uh, they go in and they have a really cool scene inside this big hangar uh, where the Navy SEALs kind of clue them in on what's been going on. Then they say, okay, well, we need to get to, I think it was <clears throat> the next place they go to is Israel. And they said, we need to get you to the plane. We have to get out there and we have to fuel the plane, but the zombies are drawn by noise. And so they put Brad Pitt... And I think a couple other Navy SEALs, like maybe like four of them, Brad Pitt and three other guys on bicycles, and have them ride the bicycles out to the plane. Now, the monsters, the monsters, the zombies are drawn by noise. So they put them on a goddamn bicycle, or at least one of them, but maybe more than one of them, are squeaking like son of a bitches. And I know that's the point. But why didn't they just walk out? Hell, they could have just—they could have just taken their boots off, even if it was that because it was raining, and that's going to keep some of the noise down. It's just going to be ambient rain noise that I use to, on my sleep machine to fucking go to sleep. So that's going to drown out a lot of the noise. 
But if you wanted to go even further than that, just fucking go in your socks or in barefoot and walk out there and just get to the goddamn plane. Carry your boots so when you get on the fucking plane. But they get on these bicycles and it's like, and as soon as they heard the first, why didn't they say, stop, get off the fucking bikes and just set them gently on the ground. So that was the one thing I was kind of, but I know you have to have stuff like that to kind of make things. It's like, um, Prometheus, you know, you have to have stupid shit happen to, you know, f- f- cock things up or everything would go smoothly. I watched 1949's Manhandled. Um, this was directed by Lewis R. Fo- Foster, uh, written by Lewis R. Foster and uh, Whitman Chambers, and it stars Dan Duryea. Dr- I always get that name fucked up. I want to say. Uh, or something, but it's Duryea. Uh Dorothy Lamore and Sterling Hayden. And who was the other chick in this that was really hot? Uh, Dorothy Lamore and Irene Hervey, maybe? Okay, the synopsis on this. Anyway, whatever. Uh, and, and a lot of these... Um, these noir, the commie movies, and a lot of the black and whiteies that I'm talking about are were I found on YouTube. Uh, the noir and the commie movies, uh, the, and the Peter Fonda, and what was the other ones that I found on there? I'm trying to think, give you guys a. Oh, uh, I'll talk about the other one here in just a minute. Uh, the secretary, uh, the secretary to a phony psychiatrist, finds herself caught up in a, a in the murder of a patient's wife. Uh, and realizes uh, her life is also in danger. Okay, so what the deal is here. And then one of the reasons I wanted to watch this is because of Sterling Hayden. It's called Manhandled. Um, love noir. I like Sterling Hayden. Um, the chick works for a shrink. And people come in and they tell shrinks you know, all their shit, all their secrets. Because they know that the shrink... Uh, isn't going to tell. They have patient, doctor-patient confidentiality and everything. But what if your shrink is a scumbag? <laughs> so shit goes down. Um, the cops show up, but Sterling Hayden uh, works for the insurance company. And so he's kind of going along with the cops, trying to find out for his benefit, for the insurance money, about this shit that's been stolen. And what happened on this uh, crime? Dan Duryea is a piece of shit. <laughs> he is a real fucking scumbag all through this motherfucker, and I mean, and he just gets more and more scummy. But this one's worth a watch too. It's like I said, a noir, and and so you have dames and and uh, you know um, hooligans and all that stuff, and two-fisted heroes and stuff. So I like it. Uh, this one, next one, I really like. 1953's Pickup on South Street. Uh, both were is written and directed by Sam Fuller, and it stars Richard Widmark, who I'm not the greatest fan of Richard Widmark. I don't hate him, but um, he never... I don't know, it's just the way he looks or something. He looks like the fucking Frank Gorshin when he played the goddamn Riddler. Uh <laughs> But he's really good in this one. Uh, he's really good in a lot of movies. It's just that he's not... He doesn't come off as... 
like the real macho a hero that you would look up to and want to, you know, be like. He's kind of like a, a, I don't not a douche, but I don't know how to say it. Um, but like you look at like Robert Mitchum or John Wayne, even Clint Eastwood, Charles Bronson, whoever. Richard Widmark is kind of like a little bit of a lesser guy. If you can't get any of them, you'd get him, and then your your uh, hero is watered down because he's not as cool. Um, but uh, when I saw this at Pickup on South Street, and you look at the movie poster, I thought it was about like a fucking hooker or something. But what it is is a it's a kind of a I was gonna say a pickpocket movie, but it's it's not a pickpocket movie. But that's what kind of drives the story is that some a pickpocket accidently well he means to steal shit but he gets a hold of something that he has no idea what he's got a hold of and then there's a whole bunch of people that are fucking trying to get it and he at first doesn't know and then they all the stuff that goes on with them trying to find out who he is then trying to trying to swindle or cajole or strong arm him and everything. So he's really good in this. And I should have known it would, it would be a step above some of the other noir I was watching. Cause it is Sam Fuller written and directed. So check that one out. Pick up on South street with Richard Woodmark. He's a two fisted guy. Don't take no shit. I don't think there's anybody else in that. Did I really Thelma Ritter? Yeah. Nobody that's, Milburn Stone, he played Doc on Gunsmoke. He's in that. Um, kind of funny when you see like somebody like, like Gunsmoke was on for 20 years. So Milburn Stone started out, he was probably, when he was young, he probably was in a lot of, of movies. And then he got on that show and didn't do anything else. He was just Doc. Like Ken Curtis uh, or even James Arness, he did a few things after them. Um, next thing I watched was 1947's Railroaded. Um, this was directed by Anthony Mann and written by John C. Higgins and Gertrude Walker, and it stars John Ireland, Hugh Beaumont, and Sheila Ryan. Uh, John Ireland's a piece of shit in this. <laughs> this is another noir, and he is a piece of shit. I was going to say, it's funny, there here, another movie I watched, which will be coming up, uh, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, it's kind of cool seeing John Ireland not playing a piece of shit. Uh, or a heel, or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, in this one, he is true to form. He's a piece of shit. Um, some stuff goes down. Robbery. And... there. Well, it's called Railroaded. There's a frame job. Uh, the guys that do the robbery have you know kind of planned out, and they're going to blame it on this other guy that they have uh, a bone to pick with. And then the hero, Hugh Beaumont, who's big, kind of burly, all-American dude, uh, he's the cop, and he's trying to find out what's going on, and John Ireland's piece of shit. A beautician and her crooked boyfriend attempt to rob uh, the bookie operation located in the back room, but when the plan goes wrong, they frame an innocent man. That gives you an idea. That one's on YouTube, too. And so is uh, Manhandled. Uh, watch Short Term 12 again. I own that one, so I thought, well, you know, I'd like to watch that. I like Brie Larson. She makes my heart go pity-pat. And in this one, she just so... She is 
such a an awesome person everybody in this is really um and the one dude that's in it i saw where is he at what's his name let me find him because i just watched him in another movie and when i was uh uh lake lakeith stanfield i um in short term 12 he has a pretty major role as one of the the troubled kids that's uh staying in this place and uh Brie Larson and uh, Rami Malek and John Gallagher Jr. Uh, all work at this place, and they're like counselors. Um, not as much counselors. They they do, in their own way, counsel people, but they actually have like trained counselors there. Uh, they actually just work right in there with the kids. They do, they check, like if they suspect that they have drugs or stuff, they'll go in and they're almost like prison guards, but not mean, you know. They try and help the kids, and then they have their own shit going on. It's a really good movie. It's a, It was a low-budget movie. This is the first thing I think I saw Brie Larson in that really, where I saw her. This, I, this, could, this movie, I don't know if it was nominated for an Oscar or not, but it was really good, and it was touching. But uh, Lakeith um, Stanfield was in this and then when I was watching one of the newer movies that I watched that I'm going to be talking about in just a few minutes um, I'm watching this movie and I hear this guy's voice and I'm like who the fuck is that? I know I know that fucking voice and it's kind of cool because I probably wouldn't have known who he was if I hadn't like just a few days later watched Short Term 12 but yeah Brie Larson Ma, she was so awesome in this and I mean I know it's the character that she's written but she's just so <laughs> this was uh, written and directed by Destin Daniel uh, Cretton. So there's Brie Larson, Frank Franz uh, Turner, John Gallagher Jr. Everybody in it's good. And man, there's just some stuff in it that just tears you up. What was the girl's name that played Jaden? Caitlin Deaver. I wonder if she's done anything else. She was the, the new girl that shows up at the... Uh, oh, she was in Detroit. She was one of the girls that... Um, um, of course, gets with the the guys, and then the cops show up and are like, "What are you doing with those black guys, or you motherfuckers?" And she was also unjustified, which I watched that show. I still need to catch the last season of that. I own it. I've got it uh, on DVD, but I I've been watching so much other shit. I haven't got a chance to to get back to Raylan Givens. Uh, let's see, The Shadow on the Window from 1957, another noir that's on YouTube for free. Um, directed by William Asher, and uh, he did a lot of TV TV work. Um, this stars Philip Carey, Betty Garrett, John Drew Barrymore, uh, and uh, Jerry Mathers, who played the Beaver on Leave It to Beaver. He was just a little boy in this, uh, and you know, of course, the role he plays, he barely says a fucking word. He's he's uh, a little child who witnesses a crime, and then takes off, and then is just like walking down the road and these truck drivers, this little boy walking down the middle of the road, when they pick him up, he's like catatonic. So that's the beaver. And, um, but this is a good movie because it does kind of make you think, oh my God, here's this little kid who's probably not even in kindergarten. And he just has to peep, he happens to peep in the window and sees this horrific violence going on. And then, you know, the aftermath of that, they find the little boy but they can't find his mother, and then it's like the whole movie is based on 
them trying to find out where the fuck she's at and what's going on. Why is he acting the way he's acting and everything? But of course, then you go back to the to the house where everything happened and and you're seeing all the stuff going on with the criminals and um, and what they're going through. So it's a pretty good movie if you want to check it out. It's a short one. A lot of these noirs like that, they're only, you know, this one's an hour and 16 minutes. A lot of them are not like, you know, some of them don't even make it to an hour and a half, which in some ways is good. It, it, it's pacey and keeps going, gets you, gets you going. Uh, the Dark Corner, uh, this is a Henry Hathaway movie, um, which seen a lot of his westerns. He's the one that kept telling Dennis Hopper to pick the cup up and set it down the exact same way every time, every take for like, made him do like 90 takes. And he <laughs> he broke Dennis Hopper and he said, you'll never work in Hollywood again and all that shit. Um, 1946, The Dark Corner. This stars Lucille Ball, Clifton Webb, and William Bendix. Uh, Secretary tries to help her boss, who is framed for a murder. The reason I watched this one, number one, it was on YouTube for free. And as I was watching these, the one, one was over, another one would pop up, so I was just watching them. Uh, Scott, over at Married with Clickers, had just watched a Lucille Ball movie uh, before she was on I Love Lucy and doing a dramatic part. And so when this one came up at first, I thought it maybe it was the one that he had watched, and then I went and looked, and it was a different one. But it's good. She's she's very good in it. Uh, you know, noir. Um, not too much to say about it. A police investigator, Bradford Galt, has moved to New York from San Francisco after serving a jail term uh, on account of his lawyer partner, Tony Jardine. Uh, Tony Jardine's a dick in this, by the way. Little blonde-haired cocksucker. <laughs> when he finds someone is tailing and possibly trying to kill him. Uh, Galt believes Jardine is behind it. Uh, as he... Um, as he finds there is rather more to it, he's inc- uh, increasingly glad to have his attractive new secretary. So it's almost like a Dick Tracy, and I can't remember what his secretary's name was, or Mike Hammer and uh, his secretary. You know, she's she's helping him out, and Lucy was good looking. You know, and she was fun. I mean, I know that that was just I love Lucy was just a character, but man, she was funny. Uh, she'd probably been a pistol, but then, you know, she probably could be a fucking real asshole, too. But that's everybody. That's me. That's you. That's everybody. Uh, Star is Born. I still haven't seen that. I'm waiting for it to where I can rent it. A lot of times on iTunes now, they'll put a goddamn movie out for, like, a, a fucking month or more where you have to buy it for, like, 14 to $19. And uh, then they finally put it on for rent, and they started out at five ninety nine. And um, you know, I like the nine ninety nine ones. At least two ninety nine. Uh, Fate is the Hunter. I really like this one. Nineteen sixty four, uh, directed by Ralph Nelson and uh, written by Ernest Gann uh, from the book. And Harold Medford did the screenplay. Uh, Glenn Ford and Rod Taylor star in this, and uh, Suzanne Plachette, who's really hot, always really hot. Um, who are the other guys in this? Wally Cox, uh, Mr. Peepers. Um, but this one really caught me off guard at the beginning. Uh, I love Rod Taylor, and I'm getting to where I really like uh, Glenn Ford more and more every time I watch him. Um, but I watched that one movie recently. 
that the movie Airplane was based on. The comedy Airplane that is, is a takeoff of the movie I watched. I can't remember what it was called now. But when I started watching this, I thought, okay, this is going to be kind of like a um, airport, uh, the movie airport type of movie, except you know or earlier, and uh, because it's you know taking place in the in the air actual airport, there's all this shit going on. There's stewardesses. There's uh you know, um, Glenn Ford works for the airline. He's a former pilot, but he is like the guy who who runs everything. Rod Taylor is like this Cracker Jack pilot and he's, you know, really cool. Of course he's Rod Taylor. He's, you know, cool fucking, uh, the girls love him and the guys want to be him and all that shit. Um, but right off the bat, something happens. I'm like, fuck, you know, and then everything's after that. I don't want to give too much of it away. Um, but God, anything I say is going to fucking give shit away on this one. There, you know how I said about like Mr. Roberts, how some of it was hokey. There are some parts of this because it is 1964 that it has some moments in it that are kind of hokey, but it doesn't kill it because I you want to find out what happened, and there are some actors in it uh, that at first I I don't even want to say. I can't say anything more about it. Fate is the Hunter. This one's also on YouTube, and this one's worth a look. Especially if you like Rod Taylor. And like I said, Glenn Ford, Suzanne Plachette was so cute. Uh, back in, even in her Bob Newhart days. Okay, 1954's Pushover. Uh, another noir on YouTube for free. Uh, this is directed by Roger Quine and uh, written by Roy Huggins, based on the novel uh, by Thomas Walsh. Stars Fred McMurray, Kim Novak. This is one uh, one of the first movies I think that Kim Novak was in. Because when I was, they were talking about it, they were saying how um, she was discovered and they wanted her to change her name and all this and that and everything. And what a hottie she was. There's a, Oh, Dorothy Malone. Maybe it was Dorothy Malone. No, I think it was Kim Novak. But they, both of them were like two super hot chicks uh, who were getting their start. And this is like one of their first movies. E.G. Marshall's in this. He's also he's always really good. Um, undercover cop falls for a beautiful mall on a bank uh, uh, of a bank robber. A beautiful mall of a bank robber on the run. Together they double cross the hoods and the cops. Okay, uh, that probably gave away everything. This one would be a good Brian De Palma movie if they if he wanted to remake it because it has a lot to do with voyeurism. Um, the cops know who the people are that they're trying to get, and a lot of the movie revolves around um, surveillance, like they're in a in a building across the way from this other building, and they're sitting there. It's almost like a the conversation with Gene Hackman, or Sharky's Machine with Burt Reynolds, or um, what was the other one I was just thinking of? Anyway, but where they're just watching and watching and you know trying to see what's going on, and looking at some hot chicks. Philip Carey is a big, big rugged hero in this. Fred McMurray is kind of playing his. Um, 
sort of double indemnity kind of a character. Because what's, what's funny about Fred McMurray is before he got on, when he got on My Three Sons, he was forever the nice, the dad that everybody wanted. He's like Andy Griffith, the dad that everybody wanted, uh, all-American dad and everything. But before that, he played a dick or a heel or a conniving d- dickhead in every fucking movie. And this is during his conniving dickhead days. You put some uh, uh, some hot snatch under his fucking nose and the fucker's ready to fucking do anything. Watch Baby Driver again from 2017. Of course, we have already talked about this. Edgar Wright, written and directed. Got all the music in it and Baby walking around acting like a douchebag. Ansel Elgort. Uh, and um, I... Well, I like Baby. I mean, it was cute. His whole gimmick was cute, and I liked the girl. She was really cute and had nice legs. Um, what was her name? Lily James? Yeah, Deborah. D E B O R A, whatever. Uh, but mostly the surrounding cast, even Jamie Foxx, who I usually don't like, I liked in this because he was such an asshole. Uh, of course, John Hamm, I like him. Berenthal was good in this. There and uh, and Kevin Spacey, you know, say whatever you want about him, rubbing on somebody's dick and everything. He was good in this. Um, got a lot of good action. I like the, you know, I just I thought it was entertaining. It's not a great movie, but it's entertaining. I enjoyed it. Like Ham, like Ham's hair in that. Uh, 1947's Framed. Uh, this is directed by Richard Wallace Dick. Uh, written by Ben Maddow and the story by John Patrick and this also stars Glenn Ford, Barry Sullivan and Janice Carter Mike Lambert seeking a mining job instead of becomes a patsy for femme fatale schemes they always have these fucking femme fatales Uh, the the problem that uh, Mike Lambert has who is Glenn Ford is the same problem that Glenn Ford and Errol Flynn had Uh, he liked to fucking drink too much and it gets him into a lot of shit. Shows up in town. Um, nobody knows who he is. And, and uh, he... Is there for a pur- or Not really for a purpose. He's a mining engineer. And he's got like a past. But he kind of shows up and gets into some trouble right off the bat. With the cops. Uh, but... He finds that he through no no doing of his own. It's just like getting picked out of the crowd uh, where somebody is looking for somebody to set up. It's almost like a Lee Harvey Oswald deal or uh, Greg Brady on that when uh, they they wanted him to be the new Johnny Bravo because he fit the suit. And he doesn't even know he's being set up, but he's being fucking led down the... Again, you know, a, a fucking gorgeous blonde sticks her tits in his face and the dumb fuck can't fucking see... You know, right in front of his, with his own two eyes. Frame, that one is also on YouTube for free. Uh, Covert Action, this is uh, Sono Stato Un Agent uh, CIA. And this stars David Jansen. This is uh, of the legendary Zom's uh, Picks uh, uh, Story in Pictures which was on Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema this past week. Uh, legendary. Uh-huh. <laughs> CIA, uh, CIA agent's life is endangered after he writes a book about his career with the agency. Uh, this is kind of like, um, of course, it's a, um, 
Eurocrime movie, Eurocrime and sort of Euro espionage movie. And you have uh, Maurizio Merli in this, and but usually he plays the hero in all the Eurocrime movies I've seen, and he plays kind of a dick in this. Uh, sort of a... I don't know, it's just against what I would always think of him as more like the macho hero. David Jansen is, at this time, is like when everybody was going over to Italy... You'd have God, I'm very fall asleep. <laughs> um, Telly Savalas or uh, Jack Palance or uh, Robert Shaw, of course, um, Charles Bronson, Clint Eastwood, whoever. And they go over there, and they're they're in the movie where they're like the only person in the movie that speaks English, and uh, uh, they're the star. He. Um, David Jansen is playing kind of like a Jonathan Hemlock from uh, Iger Sanction sort of character in this. Um, it's worth a watch. It's pretty It's pretty fun. If you like watching these kind of movies, uh, you'll enjoy it. And it's, it's uh, easy to make fun of. Not that anything in it's like standout funny or goofy, but I like to make fun of it because David Jansen is, goes out of his way to... Uh, hairspray, his hair over his big ears. Um, <laughs> and his girlfriend looks like Roseanne Rosanna Dana. Um, I, I thought it was good. This one is also on YouTube. Uh, now, when you find this one, Covert Action, of course, it'll lead you down a rabbit hole. Somebody has put a whole bunch of Euro crime movies on YouTube, too. Uncut. I don't know if they're uncut, but I mean, you know, th- but that are uh, subtitled. So, uh, and uh, in dubbed and subtitled. Most of them are not all in like Italian. They're all dubbed, but they also have sometimes. Blah. So that one's a pretty good one. It's 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 fun. I, I, they, it has everything. Like I said, he's David Jansen. Fucking man, he cracks out this judo chop from fucking. He brings it back from like three feet behind him and judo chops this guy. It was pretty cool. I watched uh, 2018's Alpha, which the only reason I watched it it was a 99 cent rental on uh, iTunes. Uh, it's a new one. I just from the poster and everything, I didn't think I would want to watch it. It's not something that I would seek out. I had seen the the poster and saw the trailer and everything, and I was like, I don't know if I'd ever want to watch that. It's it's going to be all in subtitles. It's like prehistoric, not prehistoric. It's twenty thousand years in the past. Um, takes place in Europe, and it's uh, these these tribesmen and their hunter gatherers, and they basically have this gimmick where they drive these buffalo, this herd of buffalo, they they stalk them and find them and then drive them toward a cliff uh, and the buffalo just get run running in a stampede and then they run off the edge of the cliff and then you just go down and to the bottom of the cliff and get the dead buffalo and skin them and you got food. And something happens, and I ended up really liking this movie. Not that it's a great movie or anything, but if you are a pet lover, uh, an animal lover, as far as, like, dog lover, you'll like this movie. Uh, It's pretty simplistic, and it's kind of a survival movie, but, um, yeah, I like it. I don't think I would buy it, but it, it surprised me. Just even the subject matter surprised me. I didn't know what it was about, a boot. I thought it was just going to be like Clan of the Cave Bear <laughs> without Daryl Hannah's tits. Um, was that Clan? Yeah, that was Clan of the Cave Bear. 
Um, watch Dark of the Sun again, uh, a.k.a. The Mercenaries from 1968, or Katanga, which it didn't have anything to do with Katanga. Uh, but Katanga, the shit was, that was going on there was going on when this came out. So, um, This stars Rod Taylor, Jim Brown, Yvette Mimieux, uh, and um, written by Jack Cardiff. Uh, the, I think there was a book. Was there a book? I think there was a book. I think it was just called Dark of the Sun. Um, and, uh, written by Rondal McDougall and, uh, Adrian Spies, um, or Spies. We all know Dark of the Sun. We all know about the chainsaw fight. We all know about the train. We all know about the rape and the, uh, Simbas. Uh, Rod Taylor's legs and his shorts and his knee socks and him taking no shit and conning the fucking doctor to come on the fucking train and then throwing all his booze off and the fucking Nazi Congo Mueller kind of character. This is a great movie. This is a legendary movie. If you're a man you and you haven't seen this movie, then you're not really a man. Uh, I love it. I love this movie. And I didn't, I didn't uh, buy design put these two movies together but I watched this movie and then I watched in the same back to back Siege at Jodotville from 2016 which stars um, what's his face uh, the goddamn guy from Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> Jamie Dornan <laughs> and uh, this also has Mark Strong in it and he plays a you know a bureaucratic piece of shit uh, sort of but you know when you look at some of the stuff that, like he said, you know, uh, if, if I hadn't done what I had done, you know, it could have started World War Three and yada, yada, yada. But I guess you can come up with that kind of a uh, rationale for doing lots of stuff. And they do. For every fucking war there is. Um, this is kind of a cool movie, and I'm glad that I got to see it because after watching Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Darker, and Fifty Shades of Freed, I would never watch anything with this Jamie Dornan in it again. But now that I see that he actually can play a cool, badass kind of a character and not a fucking uh, soap opera, softcore, wouldn't even softcore, the fucking uh, BDSM and Fifty Shades of Shit was like uh the I mean it's horrible. It was like unbelievable. I, I couldn't believe how they made now maybe like I said, I don't want to go off on that. How am I getting off on that shit? About how the books were, but god damn man. I've seen fucking I mean that'd be like if you were the, their idea of S and M is like if you were having sex with your girlfriend and you were making love to her and you patted her on the bottom. Christ's sakes, give me a break. Fucking turd. Anyway, Siege at Jodotville, I really like. I, I've i watched it probably about four or five times now. I own it. Mm-hmm. No, I don't own it. It's on uh, Netflix for free, so you can always get it. It's a Netflix original, so it'll probably always be on there. Good good, uh, good war flick. Uh, got some mercenaries in there. Uh, I, again, you all know that uh, uh, have, I'm fascinated by you know, all the shit that went on in the Congo that's still going on in the Congo, going on in Africa, South Africa, apartheid, and all that stuff. Um, so anyway, that's a good movie. A good companion piece for Dark of the Sun. Dig it. Watch Farewell, My Lovely, which is for free on YouTube for 1975. This is a uh, Philip Marlowe uh, movie. 
uh, starring Robert Mitchum, Charlotte Rampling. Uh, John Ireland is in this. This is the one that John Ireland's in that he's not a piece of shit. Uh, he plays a cop in this, but he's not a piece of shit cop. There are pieces of shit cops in there, like Harry Dean Stanton. This has got a great cast. Uh, Los Angeles Private Eye, Philip Marlowe, is hired by paroled convict Moose Malloy, who's this big old fucking Andre the Giant-looking guy, um, to find his girlfriend Velma, uh, former CD nightclub dancer. And this was uh, directed by Dick Richards, um, of course written by Raymond Chandler. Charlotte Rampling's really hot in this, but you, one thing you notice about Charlotte Rampling is, and, and Julie Christie, is um, they're very pretty, both of them, but as far as being, like, buxom or having that, uh, you know, bombshell-like body, even like Raquel Welch or something like that, they're both very, you know, thin, uh, but they look good. They're very... And they're good at... Both of them are really good actors, too. Actresses. I still say actress. I'm sorry, I'm old, but actor. Whatever. Harry Dean Stanton is in this. Joe Spinell is in this. Sylvester Stallone is in this. Um, that's why uh, Rolf said, you know, he... He's so stuck on the original that he don't doesn't think he would want to watch this. But then you're watching it, and you see fucking Spinell and Stallone and Harry Dean Stanton and shit, Charlotte Rampling, John Ireland, Sylvia Miles. You see all these people in it, Anthony Zerby. Um, and then that woman that plays, um, oh, what was her name? There's this uh, female pimp or a madam in this. And Jesus Christ, she's fucking like Dick the Bruiser. I mean, she's fucking grabbing Marlowe and knocking the shit out of him. It was pretty... Uh, she wasn't in it for very long. But man, I was like, God damn, that character is fucking something else. Um, so anyway, this, again, it's free on uh, YouTube. So if you want to check it out, uh, give it a look. It's worth a look. I really like it. And of course, you know, Mitchum, Jesus Christ, how can you go wrong? You know the fucking story. But it's, it's probably a little bit... Uh, probably a little bit dirtier and a little bit sleazier because it's made in uh, 75 instead of like 1940 something check it out Rolf <laughs> I watched another Netflix original called IO um, again it's free and I have Netflix I gotta tell you people I was bored to death with this fucking movie <laughs> um, hang on a second there's a movie I sort of want to compare it to where's that Z for Zachariah with Margot Robbie and um, um, Chris Pine and uh, Chuetel Ijefor um, sort of the same kind of feel except that one at least had a little bit more going on Io bored me to death. I was just fucking bored. It's a um, global climate change movie uh, where Earth is just going completely to shit and there's only a few people left uh, and they're trying to evacuate and uh, it just didn't have enough going on. It just fuck. I got toward the end and I was wanting to fucking fast forward this motherfucker through the next like 30 minutes because I was like Jesus Christ come on it just did not it was boring so I do not recommend it if you want to watch it some of the guys on the group liked it I just didn't there's nothing as Terry Funk the wrestler said his dad told him about uh, this isn't just pro wrestling this is about entertainment just don't be fucking boring and they said that's the worst thing you can be and this movie bored the shit out of me 
I wish the Falcon uh, would have fucking spread his wings and fought somebody or something. And that sounds because then people are going to be like, oh, you just want to, you can't, unless it's like a superhero movie. No, it would have been fucking more exciting if a blade of grass would have grown. Um, you know, or a zombie. I don't know. Anything. I mean, goddamn, if they would have fucked a little bit more or something. Yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, okay, the girl in the spider's web from 2018. This is the um, next. Um, of course, Stieg Larson only made, only wrote three books, and then he died. And this was written by David Lagerkrantz. He wrote a girl with the dragon tattoo, or a, a Lisbeth Zalander uh, based novel. And um, so they made a movie out of it. And uh, of course, I'm a fan. I watched all of the original, the three original ones, and then I watched the one with um, fucking chick with doll eyes and uh, fucking James Bond, uh, which was good. It was pretty good. Uh, but it was, you know, I'd already seen the fucking movie. I like the ones with Numira Pace better. Um, so I thought I'd give this a shot. This is one that I waited forever. I was going to go see in the theater as soon as it came out. Same with First Man. Same with uh, um, Old Man and the Gun. Um, and I put it off, put it off, put it off. So I went to see, or I, I, they finally put this out where you could rent it after a month of having it, or more of having it where you had to buy it. Uh, I wasn't going to buy it sight unseen. Claire Foy, I didn't know much about a boot other than she was in First Man, which I just watched. Um, she did a good job. I mean, I have no problems with her or whatever. Uh, still, Numir Pace is going to be, you know, my Lisbeth Salander. Um, but it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I know some people did not like it or said that it was like a, you know, Lisbeth Salander in a James Bond knockoff or something like that. I thought it was good. I thought it was entertaining. Um, what's his name? The guy that played Bjorn Borg in Borg McEnroe. Uh, Sivier... Gudnason plays uh, Mikael Blumquist or Mickey. Uh, the one guy that I was talking about from Short Term 12, Lake Lakeith uh, Stanfield, is in this. And he has a really big part. Uh, and the only reason I knew it was him is his voice. He got a real deep voice like this and he's talking. And I was like, man, who the fuck is that son of a bitch? I know him. And that's who it is. So it was kind of cool seeing him pop back up. And like, again, it was it was a weird coincidence that I just rewatched Short Term Twelve, and because I would not have recognized him, he's in this. He's got a in Short Term Twelve. I think he's got his head uh, cut, you know, shaved real close, and uh, he's young, so he doesn't have any facial hair. And in this, he's got a beard and glasses and everything. Um, but I thought this was really good. Um, they add a little twist that. Uh, from Lizbeth's past. Uh, but it's got some good action. It's got some good violence and some... some. There was a couple things where I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, you know. Ugh. You know, some, some stuff that happens that you're just like, oh, my God, that would be so awful. Um, so I, I recommend this. I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I'd probably watch it again. I got, like, I think another 30 hours before it disappears off my iPad. And just to, to uh, finish this up, because we're two hours and ten minutes. I went to the theater yesterday. Uh, I told you I wanted to go see Green Book, and it, we had the snowstorm and everything. I couldn't go. So today I had no excuse. I had the day off, and I came home, took a little nap, 
got my ass out of bed and uh, I was sitting there and I, I forgot to look at my watch and I looked and I was like, holy fuck, if I'm going to go see that movie, I have to leave right now. Of course, there's like 10 more times it's going to show, but I don't like going out in public when there's lots of people. Uh, so, shit, ears itching. Um, so I went to see Green Book. Uh, I will say this. Um, with all the previews and commercials and stuff, I had no problem. I I didn't even think I would get to see the previews, and I got there and I still watched like probably six previews, and with the exception of Godzilla, King of Monsters, they all sucked. I guess because um, Maharshala Ali is one of the stars of this, that every trailer was for an African-American comedy or rom-com. And now people, let me tell you something. I have no problem with going to see movies with African-American, the majority of the cast or anybody, you know. But but these movies, these trailers sucked ass. Okay, the first one was a Medea, a new Medea movie, which I was just like, oh my God. The second one was like a... um, a remake of What Women Want, where Mel Gibson gets electrocuted and then he can hear what women think, so he changes him, you know. Uh, except in this one, the African American lady hits her head and then she can hear what men think. Um, and then what was the other one? It was sort of oh, the other one is almost like the exact same thing, where where the the African American lady is the strong willed leader of it's like a Harrison Ford's wife on Supergirl where she's the head of Cat Corps or or Meryl Streep in the movie with Anne Hathaway Devil Wears Prada she's like that and um she fucking slips and falls or something and it hits her head she gets into it with this little kid and the little kid says I wish you were my size because if you were, I'd kick your kick your ass. So what happens is then she goes somewhere, and I think she slips or something, and she hits her head, and we, or she goes to sleep, and when she wakes up in the morning, it's like big with Tom Hanks. Except, you know, Tom Hanks was a kid, but he was still in Tom Hanks' man body. This one, she goes to bed, and when she wakes up, she's a little girl. So then, of course, she has to go back to school, and she's a little, I mean, like a, like a grade school kid, and has to go through being teased, and then, of course, then she makes friends, takes her, I was like, my God, why, why do I have to sit through this shit? Can you show me some good fucking trailers for, like, some, you know, interesting drama or action or, I mean, even if it's a love story, but this is all, like, this real fluff crap. And it's like, Medea, oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. I hope Green Book isn't like this, which it wasn't. Green Book was good. I, no spoilers there. I like Green Book. I, re- I love Vigo. That's one of the... He's He is a... Vigo is a... Um, if he has a new movie coming out and it's in the theater, I will go see it. Uh, I was going to say that for Ryan Gosling, but I let him down and did not go see First Man in the theater. Um, but... I really like this. Now, I had seen just a little bit, just a smidgen on the trailer 
and that it was based on a true story and so and it doesn't take a, a fucking Arnold Einstein <laughs> to to figure out what the story is going to be he's this you know uh, Ita- you know hardcore italian guy and he gets hired to drive this um musician who's an african american to be his driver and to be like kind of like his bodyguard and they're going to go on a tour which takes him down through the deep south so you kind of have an idea of what's and you know what I was saying about like the movie um, Close with Numi Rapace how it was kind of cookie cutter I kind of could tell you know even from the beginning you kind of knew the things they were going to go through and what's going to happen when they go down there but there was the the it ha- I, there was several times in this where I fucking was snorting and laughing at some of the shit Vigo said. And I really, of course, like I said, I like Vigo. And man, he fucking, you know, you talk about Christian Bale or De Niro or somebody putting on weight. Well, you know, he needed to be kind of like a big burly kind of a guy. So he put on some weight for this. But he was funny. And just the interaction between the two. It's not a comedy. It, it's got comedy in it. I guess maybe it could be kind of a, it's a comedy drama. But the the chemistry between Vigo and uh, Maharshala Ali, I got to remember that name because I really liked him. And uh, was it Moon? Uh, what was that movie he was in? Oh, fuck! God damn it! He was in Benjamin Button. I haven't seen that in a long time. I don't remember that much about it. But I like Kate Blanchett, so maybe I ought to watch that again. The uh, the one that goddamn won the Academy Award. What the fuck was that called, people? Moonlight. Yeah, I said Moonlight, but I kept thinking that I was it was saying the wrong thing. I really liked him in Moonlight. That's the, I think the first thing I saw him in, and he is in. He's the lead in the new True Detective, but I don't get HBO, so I gotta wait for it to come out on iTunes. I think to watch. Actually, I don't. I I wonder. I I probably can watch it on my in demand, and just pay for it and watch it now watching so much stuff but anyway i like maharashala ali and him and he and vigo had really good chemistry together it really worked plus just the um like the 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 costumes (coughs) the scenery and the settings and you know the car and everything the hotels everything is done it just looks awesome and and I came out of there. <laughs> this takes place in the early '60s. <coughs> I came out of there um, wanting to listen to more of this music. And I don't know if Maharashala Ali can play fucking piano because I was watching something the other day, and they and it was a movie, and they were showing how the guy really wasn't playing the piano, but they had taught him enough of the stuff. I don't know if they did it with CGI or if they just... He wasn't playing it, but he was hitting the keys like he would be if he was playing it, if that mean, makes sense. Uh, I don't know if that's what was going on in this movie or not, but it looked like he was playing that fucking piano. And it was... the, the I loved the piano music. The... the uh, um, what the quartet? It was, there was only three of them. Um, but anyway... I like the movie. I really liked it a lot. I would buy this one I, just for the banter between um, the uncouth uh, Vigo and the very suave and cultured um, 
Maharashala Ali. See, I've got it down now. Uh, who is Doc Shirley? Anyway, I like this movie a lot. Who else? Was there anybody else in this that was? It was just mostly those two. Though I mean, you had other supporting characters, but they weren't as nearly. You know, those two were took up almost the entire screen time. And I did snort like about I don't know how many different times. I was surprised there was probably maybe 10 people in the theater and they're all spread out and uh but it was funny because there were just several times where Vigo said something and it made me laugh and I fucking course snorted and so then I was like oh my god these people are going to think I'm an idiot and nobody else is laughing they did a little bit toward the end but I I'm like am I the only again dude am I the only one that gets this am I the only one cool enough to get this now Carl sent in some questions and I looked at him the it was like, uh, was it last weekend? We were planning on doing the show, and then both of us felt like shit with our backs and everything. So um, I read the questions, and now I forget them. And I think I had even written down. Let me see if I wrote down some of the answers. I thought I did, but now I probably won't be able to find the paper. I probably tore it out. Okay, I think I do have some of them here. Uh, Carl wrote in some questions. And I appreciate that. Carl. Carl, your questions are very interesting. Um, I wonder if there are any actors... Yeah, he basically is saying, are there any actors that... Um, like when I first started watching them, I was like, oh, I hate that guy. But then I warmed up to them. And it took me a little bit to think of this, but I, um, the one that came to mind right off the bat was Paul Dano. Um, I saw him in, what was the sunshine? Oh, God damn it. We're there in the van with Steve Carell. What the fuck was that movie called? Shit. Um, but I saw Paul Dano in, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. And he played such a fucking weirdo in that. And in Prisoners with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal that I was like, I cannot stand this guy. He is such a fucking weirdo. I just cannot even stand him. And I know he's playing a weirdo, but he's just so ugly, pasty white skin, that fucking black hair, and, and I just thought, ugh. But, but, but. And again, he was supposed to be playing that part, so it was kind of like the girl in Close. Uh, I think I got caught up in him playing these characters that maybe he was a little typecast as. I loved him in There Will Be Blood and the one with uh, where Robert De Niro was his dad, being Flynn. Uh, I, and I've watched that one I don't know how many goddamn different times. Um, <coughs> goddamn, sorry people. My voice is starting to get a little bit. Um, if I say um again, there's some actress that says um all the time. It's uh, Irish. Maybe it is. It's not that Sorsha. Uh, instead of saying um, they say M. Anyway, kind of cute, but just like me saying um, it's probably annoying. Uh, so anyway, Paul Dano, I do like. I liked him as Brian Wilson in Love and Mercy. Uh, there will be blood. Uh, being Flynn, I didn't see Swiss Army, but he's he's become a, an actor that I really look for now and at the beginning i really did not like him at all uh i wrote down a couple more 
these are older actors, Robert Ryan, uh, Richard Widmark, and Glenn Ford. All three of those I would put almost in the same category as the same type of actor. You could put any one of those three, Glenn Ford, Richard Widmark, or Robert Ryan, in any of the roles that they played, any of their famous roles, and you wouldn't miss a beat. They're the same guy, basically. Kind of like a not a badass, macho kind of a guy, maybe a little bit weaker, uh, not as tough, not as strong. But but when you look at their, their filmography and everything, I think it's just because they're not typecast as... Like Bronson, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood. I mean, they're they're that certain macho kind of physical type guy, um, handsome and everything. Where these guys aren't as handsome, aren't as big and powerful or big and macho, but it gives them more of a um, a range. They have more of a range. So those guys there, I have ended up liking a lot more but i i at first even like even when i was a kid i would see like richard widmar like if i was watching the alamo you got john wayne who's this fucking big old charismatic fucking you know badass davy crockett uh that everybody in the movie loves everybody in america loves and then you got richard widmark playing jim Bowie, and he's kind of like and eh, he's not as cool as john wayne he's not as big as john wayne he's not as tough as john wayne and that goes for the other ones too but I end up liking them. Um, now, where's Carl's email? So I got a new one for you there with Paul Dano and um, also some older ones there. I'm glad I kept these answers because I actually did think about them. Um, have you ever considered watching a director or actor's full filmography from start to finish? Me and my girlfriend have decided to watch uh, a Bergman film uh, each Sunday. I'm not sure I can hit... A Pacific genre hardcore like Rolf manages to, as I just get burnt out. See, that's the way I am. I start getting burnt out too. I'll start out. There was one time I was going to watch every like Dolph Lundgren fucking movie, and you just I just lose interest after a while. And there was another one. I said I'm going to watch like every one of. It was an actor, or uh, uh, every. Uh, Rasputin movie, even the like the old, really old shitty ones, or if there's any silent movies or anything like that. Um, let's see. Especially if you do like a certain character in history, because then you start getting, it's the same story over and over and over. Uh, but one film per week from the same director doesn't seem like um, it has to be something that I tire of too quickly. And that's another thing with like binge watching a series. Uh, especially if it's a long series. If it's like a True Detective and it's only like eight episodes, yeah, I can binge watch that. But if it's like something like um, Blacklist or something that runs, I don't know how many episodes a season and it's been on for 12 seasons, I get, I'll get burnt out if I do that. That's why I, on my Netflix, the stuff that I watch, the series, uh, or any series that I watch, I have been, I might watch a couple episodes a night, but I won't sit there and watch like four or five or six episodes. Uh, uh, I'll mix them up just like if I was watching regular TV. One night I'll watch, and these are stupid ones, but like Supergirl, Green Arrow, Flash. The next night I might watch Justified, uh, uh, Black Mirror, Dark Matter. Um, 
trying to think what other uh, Orange is the New Black, um, True Detective. You know, I mix it up because then you get variety. I just and that's like a um, not Lord of the Rings, um, Game of Thrones. I'm watching the first season of that, and I remember Sammy said that he and his wife start, had never watched it, and they started watching it after it had been out for like five seasons, and they just wanted to binge watch it and just watch the whole fucking weekend, just watch it nonstop. I get fucking I lose I don't lose track. I just get bored with it. I want to I can't and I and I get uncomfortable just sitting there just watching one after the other after. It's like if you went to TIFF or or you went to uh, Tell You Ride or something, and you were just sitting there like. Vishnu would do and go and watch one movie after the other after the other from from nine o'clock in the morning till one o'clock in the morning and just stop to eat and then go watch another movie. I would get so fucking burnt out physically I would get tired um, but what I, uh, the movie or the what I was going to say is like uh, right now I want to watch um, Fritz Lang movies uh, I think it's better with a director because you are getting a completely different story every time you know he he moves he his the movie is his vision and everything well it's the uh, also the writer's vision but um i wouldn't get as bored with watching like you said like bergman or orson wells or um i like watching i've watched a shitload of orson wells movies i like how he directs uh also um costa gavras uh, Robert Bresson, Bob Fosse, and I've always liked John Ford, and I've seen a shitload of his movies, but he's done so many, I know I haven't even touched it, even though I've watched a shitload of his movies throughout the years, mostly westerns. Um, actor? Let me think if there's an actor that I would want to watch. Well, Julie Christie here recently, I've been trying to watch a shitload of her of her stuff that I've missed uh, Dirk or uh, Dirk Bogard. Uh, I used to do that all the time. I would watch um, all of Mickey Rourke's movies, all of uh, De Niro's movies, all of Sean Connery's movies, Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper. Um, I would get on this thing where I would want to, you know, somebody would interest me, and I would even go back and like watch the Dennis Hopper stuff where he was the weakling son of the bad man in uh, in uh, an old western where you know he he didn't wasn't like the main person or something um so it's kind of cool when you do get that that bug or that you know you you just happen to watch somebody and you're like man i've watched ryan gosling in this movie and now i want to watch everything or bruce lee or fucking chuck norris or even dolph lundgren you know you can go as like even to that level scott atkins there for a while i was trying to watch like everything i could find that he was in um it's the straight to DVD guys, you can get into that too. That one dude, uh, what the fuck was his name? I just watched a bunch of shit that he was in. Uh, that was in um, wait a minute. I was just talking about this uh, on the last show. I think the dude that was in Tears of the Sun, John. John Mesner, um, he has become like a straight-to-DVD guy, making movies with like Tito Ortiz, and but he's the star, and uh, I started trying to watch like a whole bunch of his shit, you know, and I mean, a lot, almost all that stuff with the exception of Tears of the Sun, because he became friends with Bruce Willis in that, and in the 
in uh, another Bruce Willis movie. Um, almost all the stuff he's in is just straight to DVD. I wouldn't say direct, but straight to DVD action movies. And I thought, hell, you know, I keep seeing this guy's name on these DVDs at Walmart in the news section, but they're, you know, look like they're low budget action movies, but why not? I'm going to check this dude out. So it's kind of cool. I don't know about like doing it like every day or like I said, binging it. Uh, like you said, it, it break it up at least um, doing it over like one a week or, you know, just checking out his stuff whenever you can. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here from Carl? Uh, as big film fans, I'm sure we all take a chance to my, my bifocals. See, I have to wear bifocals now. Um, chance to try out uh, titles we know little about. But uh, when was the last time you took a complete gamble on a film that you had never heard of and fell in love with it? Uh, that new Julie Christie, or that, not new, but the Julie Christie movie that I just watched with uh, her and Terrence Stamp, I thought that movie was excellent, and I had never even heard of it. The uh, Away from the Madding Crowd. Let me get back down here and see if I can... She's made a lot of fucking movies here recently. I, You know, another person that I would... that We were just... Uh, yeah, far from the Madden crowd from 1967. Um, Terrence Stamp. I, I was just saying, Julie Christie is somebody that I've been... I'm And um, her and... Um, God damn it. I fucking can't remember shit. Um... Find it. Charlotte Rampling. I want. I wanted to uh, delve and go and find some more Charlotte Rampling stuff. Uh, but Terrence, uh, Terrence Stamp. I want to go and watch because uh, you know I'm familiar with Zod and um, uh, the movie with him and Peter Fonda, The Limey, and um, but I I do want to go back and go way back to the beginning of his career and start watching some of his stuff because I really like him. He's got a lot of charisma. Uh, let's see. So the Julie Christie one, uh, do I have? Uh, Far From Men uh, with Vigo. I had never heard of that. That's one of those ones that one of his little side projects, a foreign film that he speaks French in the entire movie. Um, I didn't know anything about it, Didn't never even heard of it, and I was just on iTunes looking at Vigo movies, and it was a new one. I thought, fuck, I've never seen this before, and I really, I, I bought it, and uh, I've watched it several times. I think it's a really good story. Uh, let's see. For me, this is Carl. For me, it was a newish film called Oh Lucy, a drama comedy road movie uh, from a first-time director that felt similar to the kind of work uh, Hal Hartley or Jim Jarmusch uh, produce. It's funny, heartwarming, and had some gut punches thrown in, that's always good, uh, with a surprisingly good performance from an often forgotten heartthrob, Josh Hartnett. Hmm. I like Josh Hartnett in Penny Dreadful. He's one that I never warmed up to that much in movies because he was just never in a lot of really, uh, never in really good stuff. The stuff that I saw him in, I just, it just, 
Now, like Black Hawk Down, but you know that was an ensemble cast, and he, yeah, anybody. I mean, he he had the look to play the kind of the the uh, all American kind of tall, you know, John Wayneish kind of a guy. Not that he was playing like that kind of character, but uh, you know that that kind of he looks like an all American guy. But until I saw him in Penny Dreadful, I hadn't seen him in anything that I was like that Black Dahlia. Which and one thing I wanted to mention is. They're doing a series with Chris Pine on TNT about the Black Dahlia murders. And now, of course, that's on free TV, TNT, so you can watch that. And it looks really good. But they're also doing a podcast. Um, This series plus the podcast is all being brought about by this guy. And he has been researching the Black Dahlia murders uh for years because growing up they his family were always told that someone in their family was the person that killed the the girl who was the you know quote unquote black ta- black dahlia uh where they cut her in half now there's been like true confessions with de niro and robert duvall kind of revolved around that a little bit and then there was the movie the black dahlia uh, with Josh Hartnett and um, what's his face? What well, had Scarlett Johansson? In. The best part of that movie was her walking down the steps with no bra on. <laughs> that movie sucked. Um, black. Um, Aaron Eckhart. I like Aaron Eckhart, but I mean, he makes some shitty fucking movies, and Josh Hartnett's kind of the same way. They just uh, have bad agents or make bad choices, I think. They're they're not bad actors. They're they should be better than what they are. Uh, Thomas Jane was kind of like that too. Um, I'd like to see them in better stuff. Fucking bastards. <laughs> Let's see. And Josh Hartnett is one of these guys too. Get rid of the fucking mustache and that little fucking scruff of shit on your fucking face. You look better without it. Fucking Pearl Harbor. Jesus Christ. Black Dahlia. Blah. Um, you know, he just, what else has he made? What other garbage has he made? He ain't got anything coming out new that's good. Oh, Lucy, that's the one you were just talking about, Carl. Um, like, like I said, I liked his character in Penny Dreadful. I thought he was excellent in that. Valley of the Gods, she's missing. What else is this other, this dude? Hey, this dude that you seem to like. A lonely woman living in Tokyo decides to take an English class where she discovers her alter ego, Lucy. Well, let me look on iTunes. Do they have that fucker on here? And I'll watch it and I'll review it for your ass since you wrote it. <laughs> now watch it won't be on here. <laughs> uh, oh, Lucy. Dead air, bitch. Learn to love it. <laughs> oh, Lucy is on iTunes and I can rent it. Four ninety nine. I'm gonna get it right now, Carl. Better be good. You just cost me four ninety nine. <laughs> Download. There we go. It's on the way. Okay, on the next show. Oh, Lucy. And I'm just gonna cover nothing but that movie. So it better be fucking good, or else. Okay, let's see. Josh Hartnett's uh, forgotten heartthrob. He doesn't make my heartthrob. Let's see. 
Now, uh, let's see. Now, I love this movie, but I wonder if uh, the fact that I had literally no expectations or any preconceived... I- now, see, I have expectations. That'll probably suck. Uh, or any preconceived ideas of what I was going to see helped me enjoy it more. On the flip side, I saw months and months of everyone telling me how incredible Mandy is, only to be disappointed. But I wonder if uh, I'd gone in completely cold if I'd had other thoughts on this. Now, let me tell you something, Carl. Uh, fart noise, fart noise, fart noise. <laughs> I fucking went into Mandy fucking cold, and when I watched it, I thought it fucking sucked. I thought it was horrible. Um, and then when I watched it the second time, knowing that Loaf and I were going to review it, I really liked it. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes that happens because I know I got called out on a couple, like I think, like Drive with Ryan Gosling when that first came out. I just everybody was gushing over it and getting a big boner and jacking off in their mouths and everything and rubbing it all over their face. <laughs> but I just I was like, hell, the neck talking good. They were talking about all the synthy music and all the neon and all this stuff. And then after I, when when people. That's with Mandy. I'm telling you, I know that affected me the first time I saw it. I literally was like, "Give me a fucking break! You guys are are getting so fucking, you know." They, I mean, when when they are going nuts over a fucking okay, a fucking movie, I'm like, "What the fuck?" And then I watch it, and I'm I'm expecting it to be the greatest thing ever, and I watch it, and I'm like. That wasn't that fucking great. It was weird as hell, and it's got a bunch of... Jesus Christ. I mean, I couldn't even hardly stand watching it. Then when all that goes away, and I can watch it with more of a clear head without being kind of like, you know, it's almost off-putting when when everybody loves this movie so much. Now, one movie I forgot to mention, and I'm getting kind of the reverse on this is I watched Mads Mikkelsen in Polar on Netflix. Um, And my friend at work told me, he said, oh, he goes, you got to watch this movie because it's an action movie with that guy, uh, Mads, whatever his name is, from Doctor Strange. He doesn't know that much about, like, you know, uh, foreign films and stuff. And I said, oh, shit, man, I like him. I'll, I'll check it out. So I went home that morning, and I fucking watched it. And... I thought it was fucking entertaining as shit. It had fucking sex in it. It had fucking violence in it. Mads is like Charles fucking Bronson. He's keeping a you know a straight face, but he's a real badass and everything. He's so deadpan that it's it's fucking funny, and uh, even like some of the sexy stuff in it was funny. And he's such like a, a fucking uh, killing machine and everything. I enjoyed the shit out of it. But then I'm saying, man, I really like this movie. You gotta watch it. I'm thinking it's right up the GGTMC's alley, you know, cause it's just, uh, um, um, what do you call it? Um, God damn it. Ultra violence, you know, that's <laughs> what we like. And it's it's fucking crazy and shit. Like you like fucking Mandy and they're doing all this shit. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking and then everybody's like, I thought that sucked. It was horrible. It was fucking shit. It was the worst fucking movie ever. I'm like, oh whatever. I guess we're on two different fucking. Pl- I I just always think it's funny when people in our group or in our group of friends or whatever they'll watch something that is stupid as shit <laughs> and they'll be like 
Oh my God! It was so, it was intentionally done. Or if it's a, if it's a 1960s movie where they do all this shit and it's Chuck Connors with a dildo and a machine gun on his hand or something like that, they're like, "Oh my God, that was so good!" and everything. But then they put something like this out and they're like, "That was just horrible." I wish Mads could have done so much better. And I just thought it was all over the place. It didn't know what it wanted to be. And all this stuff. Like Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, you have one, it's like you have a, a fucking pile of shit and a pile of shit, and they're like, this pile of shit is the greatest pile of shit of all time. It stinks so bad, it's gorgeous, it's so awesome. This subtle meta, this and that, and uh, all the stuff they were going for. And it's so crazy, because they were wearing like a fucking members-only jacket, and this pile of shit was thrown in there, and there was a fucking pig fucking carcass and this and that and everything and then you watch this fucking movie and it's just it's the same exact like if they took a pile of shit and they cut it in two and they put this pile of shit over there to the other side and they're like that pile of shit sucks it's stupid it's so dumb only a douchebag would like this pile of shit and then it's like oh i hate to vent but that's just it's just weird when you, i'm like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> I thought it was fucking funnier shit. I thought it was fucking funny. I thought it was hilarious. To be honest with you, I just fucking thought it was great. I just give that goddamn movie a fucking ten. <laughs> you all hate me. I know it. I don't give a fuck. You're doing it on purpose. Uh, sorry for rambling. Happy New Year and God bless Sylvan Gold. Yeah, motherfucker. I I cut off his first sentence. Let's see what he say. Whether it be your input? Okay, no, I didn't. I just, for some reason, I don't. My. <laughs> All right, that's enough of this shit. Uh, <laughs> just cut off right now. Two hours and forty-four minutes, and and I was ready to stop at one twenty-seven. So I just want you to remember that. Now I got O Lucy uh, coming with uh, the. Uh, what uh, forgotten heartthrob Josh Hartnett, and I will, and, and right beside of it, it says Mulan Two. I'd have downloaded that too and fucking review it and say that Carl said it was great. <laughs> no one, it was a piece of shit. Yeah, fuck you, Carl. <laughs> Four ninety nine. God damn it. All right, people. Silver and gold. Zomp.